Welcome to another episode of Audit Refrain. This week, this uh, episode, we have two special guests. We've got Pat and Nick of the Motion Epic. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hey. So uh, we're going to be talking about Boardwalk Acadia, your elements coming out soon. It's not out yet as, as of now when we're recording this. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the album and then we're going to listen to it and we're going to talk about each track. And I'm very excited. This is the first time we've done this with an album that hasn't come out yet. Oh, wow. So nice. this is really cool. We've been doing either classic albums or albums that have been out for a bit. Um, so this is uh, going to be fun. I feel really lucky. Yeah. That uh, we're, we're the early adopters on this. Yeah. Yeah. So Perks this is of good. the job. Perks well, of the job. We're really happy to be here. That's for sure. I'm uh, excited to talk about it. All right. Hey. So as always, follow us on social media. Follow our guests, Motion Epic. Please. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all those things. And we're on all the platforms. You're going to be able to catch this in two versions. So you're going to be, well, three, technically. You're going to be able to listen to this, just the interview itself, track by track. And you can choose which track you want to hear about. Or on Spotify, you're going to be able to listen to the album and the interview cut together for a complete listening experience. So it's a really fun um, way to go about it. And the other albums we've done people really dig that so let's get going let's talk about uh boardwalk acadia how it came together obviously you have a new edition so let's talk about it pat what's going on all right cool so right about when we wrapped uh west coast streams um i felt like i had a lot more to say musically and um at that point in time i remember discussing with andreas you know and saying like you know what, what are we going to do next? You know, like, uh, I feel like we need to continue, uh, you know, producing music and being in the zone. So um, I don't know what happened. I, it's like almost a blur right now. I can't really recall how, how it kind of came together. But um, I remember specifically, like, um, when I was a, a kid, going down to the Jersey Shore was like the thing. Like every year of high school, I was always looking forward to our summer vacations. And so um, in that respect, like uh, I would, I remember like around the month of April, I would sit with my parents and like being a 16 year old kid booking hotels for like our, our three week stay out there. And um, that feeling, that sensation of like leaving everything behind, just going on vacation and, and enjoying the boardwalk and the beach for an X amount of time. It was always fascinating to me. And then as I grow, I grew older, I started going alone with my friends and it just, it's always the same thing when you end up on a boardwalk. I'm sure you guys have all visited one where it's like, you know, t-shirt shop, t-shirt shop, ice cream, t-shirt shop, but there's something exciting to see all the time. It's always fun, even in the evenings. So I had a, an idea to put a record together. Uh, at first it was called Boardwalk Arcade because I wanted to, you know, maybe be in the environment of an actual arcade on the boardwalk. But then um, when I was designing the the concept, because here's the thing with the motion epic. Uh, okay, we, we we, <laughs> <laughs> I come up with the, the environment before we touch the music in my mind. And uh, Makes I sense. Know that sounds, yeah, it sounds a little bit, you know, odd, I'd say, because normally you'd, you'd write the music and then you would maybe craft um, a visual to, you know, co like co uh, cohesively match the music 
Um, but in this sense, it's like I, I kind of have ideas of where I want to take the music visually, and then we translate it uh, musically. And, and so, um, yeah, I was, I was working on some artwork with Melville, and uh, my brother had come along, and he was watching me do my stuff, and he's like, well, why don't you just call it Boardwalk Arcadia instead of Boardwalk Arcade? Because you're not actually showing the arcade on the cover. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, mind you, at this point, there's no music behind the visuals. <laughs> I just have artwork. And um, I, I, don't, I don't remember how this happened, but uh, Nick and I um, had been in contact because if I believe Nick, you, you did a remix for us, right? That's how we... Yeah, well, I had been following you guys on Instagram. You guys were like all big and famous, elusive thing to me um, <laughs> at that time. True that. And because the first one had already come out. Uh, and I think you'd started sort of mentioning the second one on social media. Right. It, it, it definitely wasn't out yet at, that, at this time, though. And then I you had followed me back generously on like Instagram or whatever. So you were aware of some of the random little stuff that I was doing, different right. projects. And he, you reached out to, Pat reached out to me. I guess I'll address the audience here. Uh, Pat <laughs> had reached out to me um, to do a remix for that Midnight uh, Remix Volume 1. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that, and it was Ulterior Motives. And I guess just to get this story out of the way, because we would have told it one way or another, <laughs> it was funny because... I was really apprehensive and I don't know. I mean, Pat seemed like really confident in because here's the thing that you need to know. I, and I don't want this to come across any kind of way, but like, I don't necessarily make like synth wave music. You know what I mean? Right. You know? And I knew that that was kind of why he'd asked me to like, try my hand at sort of reimagining one of your songs. Mm -hmm. But I was like really nervous and apprehensive so the thing I sent back, when I finally sent it back, I just was like, I, I spent all day just like sweating bullets, you know, and just was like, oh, God, you know, is he going to like, you know, I just completely, this isn't a synthwave song, you know, uh, I just completely kind of like it butchered the idea of his song with the second half of the remix that I made. I just took it off into fantasy land. Like, well, how is he going to feel about that? But then he got back to me and like he really loved it. And eventually we ended up having a conversation to make a long story longer um ended up having a conversation about you know pat called me and was like i would love for you to you know it was funny because over the course of that conversation i remember this vividly because it's just so funny to me at first pat you definitely were like and i don't know if you remember this but you definitely were like i would love for you to like contribute in some way as a producer on like a couple <laughs> of the songs yeah. on the track. hey pat that's real slick that's real subtle yeah well was... yeah that was pretty straight straight up well essentially what happened was you know um i was listening to his ep on on uh, and it's an instrumental ep uh movies of the week right volume one mm -hmm. um and i was on i was on my i would be on my way to like the gym or like just going you know i i put it in the car and I naturally just would start singing along to his instrumentals and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, there's just something here. So I investigated a little further and then that's when I asked Nick, I was like, yo, do you want to just like produce songs for our new album? And I, <laughs> I was like really blunt and honest. And um, what happened was like, I, I told Andreas too, I was like, we're, we're bringing someone else in here. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Cool, man. Um, and I, now like look back and i'm very grateful that we ended up in this position and and uh nick and i always 
speak about it, you know, having all these pieces and parts, uh, you know, helping us out on this record. Like we got Sparky from Halifax, Nova Scotia and Canada, uh, who's an incredible guitar player actually. And, and also with him was he did a midnight, the midnight remix. And I was just floored by it. I hit him up and I'm like, dude, what, what the hell, where are you from? Mm. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> who are and, you? Uh, he just recently won a Tiesto remix, which is blowing him up. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I invited him, him to play on our record. Like, Hey, by the way, like, here's a song. Do you want to play guitar on it? You know? And uh, Ben, of course, uh, Max Cruz, AKA Max Cruz. Uh, I don't know what to call him anymore. I saw, so I, I, I don't know. Either You should probably just call him Max Cruz because that's what people are going to associate him with. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Max, Max Cruz. To the, so I guess to that end, just real quick in case, because we haven't said the K word at any point mm, in this interview mm-hmm. so far. In case anyone's confused, I am Kelly Mocho on the internet. Okay. Right. So like, because when you go on Instagram and everything, like that's all that you see. There's no I, like I mention of my name. So right. for everybody who's there going like, who the fuck is this Nick guy? You know, like, <laughs> thank you, Nick, for bringing that up, brother. Like, you, know? <laughs> right. you could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right. Let's just you're both Italian. You're you're related. They're fine. Well, right. Well, yeah, That's how that exactly. works. So my dad is a Nick. My brother's Nick. And he's Nick. So every time, like even yesterday, we were on the phone, and I and I was talking to my brother. I'm like, "Hey, Nick, you know whatever," and he's like, "What?" I'm like, "I'm not talking to you." Oh my god! I'm talking to my brother. Well, it was but, funny because you did the typical Italian. You you like went with like this with the phone and like held it, <laughs> and then I heard you like muffled yell down the hallway, "Nick, what?" <laughs> Pretty much what happened. And I just was like, "What's going on now?" Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Before I forget. <laughs> So, so Max Cruz, um, you know, just, you know, he's, he's incredible. I mean, I, we've been working together for, um, almost, oh my God. Yeah. Over two years now. And, uh, I sent him the, the two tracks that I'd wanted him on. And of course it's like, he's a one take wonder guy. He just sends it right back. Like, Hey, I'll have it to you by tomorrow. And it's just like this incredible saxophone. I'm like, well, you're, whatever. I'm always envious of people like that. They're just like, yeah, yeah here's the thing. And I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's amazing. Sparky's amazing. Andres is amazing. What's funny right. is you're probably talking to like the two lamest guys, you know, in, <laughs> very, very, in very the outfit. Like, right, right. Andres is a big piece of the puzzle here. And um, <laughs> you know. here's here's a theory though on the one take thing. I kind of look at that the same way as that I would do my final papers or whatever thesis is in college. Where I would just be like, okay, it's the day before it's due. <laughs> it's about 11 at night. I'm just going to bang out this one thing and submit it. And maybe that's, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if it's solid gold every time, then like, you know, go for it. Right. And one time, one of my teachers after I did that was like, see me after class. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. And I was like, oh, damn, what is this? I, I think so, like Ben, oh, Max Cruz is a, is, is a prodigy because like uh, at some point um, last year, I had done these uh, solo Christmas tracks and uh, one of them was very Elvis Presley style, obviously, and because uh, I love Elvis. And I think, can you see him on my wall, actually? Because we're on video chat for those yeah. of you listening. So he's I, right there. Next yeah, to I see Holly. him. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, I forwarded over... Uh, the track to Ben and I'm like, do you think you can like throw on some Western Western style piano on this? He's like, yeah, no problem. Sends it back a day later. And I'm just like, wow, 
You're Australian. How did you get this right? How? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's just outstanding. Yeah. Again, all of the people in the band, I'm just like in awe. You know, and I've said this a million times to Pat, but like, I feel like I was just like Gollum in a cave somewhere before Pat. Like, <laughs> called me, you know? I hear that. And like, brought me into the shining sunlight of like the glory that is the motion epic and the way that, especially with this album. And like, I absolutely love the first two albums, obviously. Thank you. Um, but I'm, and and I don't know what the what the pro- I mean, I only know what the process was like with those from conversations I've had with Pat, but having lived through the process of making boardwalk like you just are in awe of those all all of these these people that worked on on this and like i just feel so like you know it's gonna sound super freaking corny but on, like on honest to god like i feel like honored to work with this team mm-hmm. of people i am a fan of the stuff that they do like it's kind of mind-blowing you know yeah, I, I never really had that before. Like, just like I could turn any direction, you know, with this group of people, and be like, "Oh my god," you know, like it's just amazing. Thank you. So shout out to everyone, <laughs> the whole crew, the team. Yeah. Um, I I will say like listening to it and really digesting the album. It seems it's definitely the most refined, um, well. And, and this is not saying that the other two albums are not well produced. They are, but it feels like it could have been made in the eighties, early nineties by a really like high end studio in wherever. And it would fit perfectly in. It is perfectly cinematic uh, in a sense that like, I, I feel like this album is going to get some licensing, maybe things going right. Just because, (laughs) Uh. <laughs> I, and because I feel like there's any number of of shows out there that where this would add so much um, to a scene, right? Uh, an emotional scene, a montage, or whatever it is. Um, it's so well produced. It's so well executed. It's really top tier. And to me, it it stands above the like bedroom producer kind of thing. And, and I'm not. And I'm not. That's not a no, sure. a hate against that i really like um low-end uh indie production quality i think there's a there's a really there's a value to it it's important but this it takes it strives for something more and it very clearly um executes that really well and so i'm excited for people to hear it and obviously you're not ready no one's ready for this record because (laughs) there's there's more there's so many songs on this record that are at that level and maybe i would dare say higher level than those songs that have been released for uh singles so far wow and so i think people are going to be really surprised and i think there's things in there that are for everybody you know because there's non-vocal tracks in there there's Mm and um gateway 26 that is a hot jam yeah it is it's a really hot jam so i think what's impressive is that without being um braggadocious about it you flex different kinds of of ability and talent and it it shows with the fact that there are more than one person involved in this so it allows other people to shine or coalesce if you will Mm -hmm. uh, all the talents together great use of the word coalesce man thank you (laughs) also thank you so much for such kind words yeah you were really breaking out the big words i like that good job (laughs) thank you (laughs) 
I try to like have one big word, one good word per episode. No. Oh boy. Oh guys, my cat is my cat's coming in hot. Yeah, that's fine. Bring the cat in. Yeah, get the yeah, cat on the show. Well, I got the the eighty seven up here all you know, she's gonna knock it over and yeah, the problem it, is that it's almost dinner time for her. Sure, I get that. So anyways, let's not talk about we'll we'll talk about her another time. Okay. <laughs> Right. But thank you. Post but thank show. You guys, though, Post seriously. show. I really, really appreciate the the kind words. I, I mean, uh, we've come a long way, and uh, it means a lot. Like, um, I, I actually, I, I heard the test press the other night with my brother, and because um, he contributed to "You're Not Ready," he kind of co-wrote that with me. Um, I'll discuss the royalties with him another day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. Because, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I've been listening to the record. It's been sitting in, in, in our files since December. So uh, sitting on a record that long is uh, painful, horrible, very painful. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I don't know how we got through this. I, we had moments where we would like just lose it. But um, like I try to separate myself and listen. And I was I was really I felt uh, accomplished. So I really appreciate that you guys uh, you said, you said those kind of words because we we had we had so many tracks for this record. We we cut quite a bit. Like we could have made this a fourteen song record, but I mean, um, I didn't want that either. You know, like just to throw in songs just just because of length. Um, and um, you know, then we, I always love to have instrumental tracks in a record to kind of help uh, sonically create more atmosphere to feel like you're actually in that. Like especially for Boardwalk Arcadia, you have to feel like you're there. So right. that's something like Gateway Twenty Six, which which uh, was actually a demo from West Coast Dreams, and um, I I wasn't sure about it. And then Andres is like, "Give me a chance," starts developing it, and um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we wanted to. Uh, anyway, I can get into it when we get to the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. it's it, you know, again, it's really one of those. It's a a record that I think is perfectly. Um, it's got a perfect length to it. And, and we talked about this a little bit before Pat. Right. Um, I think what it does is it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm -hmm. It leaves you wanting more. So you just replay the record and it fits so well together. It's very, um, easy to listen to as a whole album. And because it's not, it's not tedious at all. And because you do the instrumental tracks and you have different, you know, uh, tempos and, and ballads and things in there it's really engaging to listen to which is great you know it's not just the same track over and over and over and over again right it's it, it's a whole experience and so that's where i think where my comments come in of, of being really well produced or um just showing skills and bringing things to another level um because it's not just leaning on the one thing like i'm good at this one thing i'm just going to lean into it it's a whole experience of different moods and feelings and um, types of songs. So it's really great. Um, so I'm excited for you guys to release this. I'm excited for everyone to hear it because I'm sure it's going to do really well. And again, I feel like there's, there's something in the, there's something there. Someone's going to hear this. And the thing I, 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 when I talk to other friends who are, who have happenstance, on being in movies or whatever it is, it's, it's always by accident. It's always like somebody from a production meeting likes this thing. And then they, it, it just happens. It's, it's a product that's very of its time in two times. Indeed. 
Because it's oh. like you said earlier, you've got your your eighties, early nineties kind of feel to it, but it's also a contemporary thing. Absolutely. And with everything now, you know, things that are coming out banking on that eighties feel again. It just all comes together. Yeah. <laughs> and you. I think Pat, you I don't know who writes your thing, uh, writes like stuff about the motion epic, but there was a blurb in there about you know, using retro aesthetic, but also trying to be palatable to modern audiences. Yeah. I think it does really well with that. I think it, it blends those things really well together where if someone who's not inclined to be into retro stuff, cause you know, it's, it is a particular niche. Right. Um, it, it will, it will appeal to a wider audience. I'm just having a flashback now, and I think we said exactly the same thing the you first guys, time that I we did talk to you. <laughs> I think you guys probably implemented that, and I don't know how it translated because I do write blurbs for the Motion Epic account, but um, we also have, okay, another Max, because oh, that's why I want to call Ben Ben, but he's Max now. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, Max, <laughs> uh, Max Wallace that runs Sofa King has been... Um, incredible like he's been helping us out a lot and uh, along with uh, jeff at laser seal but yeah so so max probably um maybe because he helped me write as well some 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 things and that we post online so uh, it could have been just translated that way because we we talk a lot and i send him voice notes and he's like okay so why don't you write something like this and or i'll send him a text and he'll just manipulate it a little um yeah so yeah that, that that's Shout out yeah, to nice. Max yeah. at Sofa King because uh, he's been doing a great with his presses. He did West Coast Dreams, obviously. Mm -hmm. I really like there's there's a few boutique record companies out there that really strive to do special things with records. And he did something. He did like the, the limited 74, 75 edition of West Coast Dreams, yeah. which is really cool because it's special. It's something you have that's unique, that's that lasts. And you feel like you have a, a piece of something history or whatever it is that's unique and knowing only a few people have it is a is really special and the fact that him and jeff laser steel um teamed up to do these pressings of the new record like yeah. it's really amazing is there do you know how many um pressings are there that have been released for for this record um as of right now oh boy um so like three. I'm so confused because we, we I've, we've been following the sales on on um, on Bandcamp and like when I only see like now for FA Carnival there's only like nine left or something and then I'm just like okay hold on but how many did we start with I think there's 300 of uh, the Epic Carnival so 150 of Epic Carnival excuse me and then uh, another 150 of um, the Sunset version. Gotcha. So it's a pretty standard 300 pressing, right. and I'm sure that there'll be. Max is really good about doing represses because he's on his third repress of the client liaison yeah. uh, EP, yeah. I believe. So I may, yeah, I may be wrong with my numbers, but I think that's what I, sounds I all right. had discussed. Yeah. Um, but right. Like he's really good at repressing and he's on top of his game for everything um, really in relation to his releases. So yeah. I think the key takeaway is if you don't have the vinyl already, you better get it. <laughs> Yeah. And it might be too late when this episode comes out, and then you're going to feel yeah. really bad because you're going to be like, this album is amazing, <laughs> yeah. and now I can't get this. There's so, definitely like less than 10 of that uh, one variant left as of now. I feel like by the time people hear this interview... Oh, they're both be sold by the time. If, gone, if, yeah. 
releasing it on the on the actual release day, it's probably they're probably both going to be gone. And, and suckers, so. <laughs> suckers, <laughs> get your shit, get it, get it when the getting's good. Yeah, that's yeah. you know, and that's a really uh, privileged place to be in. Is is people want the record? They want a physical copy of your record, and it's going to sell out. And that's a really cool, you know. Because you got to nine, only nine left, not that far after the pre-sale went on. Was it last right. week? Last... It's been a week and a day. Yeah. So, you know, in, in the community that we're playing, and that's that's a pretty decent, there's only a few How artists. much does that pump you up? Yeah, seriously. Well, I, I honestly didn't expect it. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I really didn't think, like, it was funny because I had gone out. I was record shopping that day. And then for some reason in my head, I was just like, yeah, 3 p.m., my time because i'm on east coast i'm like i'll get to you know i'll get home and i'll post when i need to post and i i obviously fell behind because i i'm not very good with time and um then max <laughs> messages me and he's like dude where are your posts man he's like we just sold out the ultimate bundle in like seconds and i'm like are you seriously i tried to get it i tried to get it oh, no. oh, i really? was there on the on time and it was gone oh well wow. I, was, I was honest like when i saw that message come in honestly like you were asking how i felt like i i felt like i was on a roller coaster literally like going down and and you know that feeling of your heart like yeah coming up i i felt that instantly it was it was insane because i i like i said i didn't like i thought it was gonna be a gradual growth because people haven't heard the album like Honestly, why are you guys pre-ordering it? Like, just, <laughs> what if it Don't say that. Don't, don't say that. Don't say it. Pat, what are I'm, you doing right I'm now, man? I'm kidding. I'm joking. I think you guys are going to love it. But, you know. Yeah, whatever. Was, yeah, anyway. It was it was uh, surprising and, and very exciting. And Nick, how is this for you? Joining, joining this... Uh, journey yeah, this thing know, let's not even talk about it because i'll go i can't even i'll go for days man it's not it's... you can say like now like me contributing to this <laughs> is causing these sales to just go through the roof no, yeah, well, I, I could i could not even i couldn't take credit for that as i said before first of all the absolute biggest thing that is like both i think both the tangible and intangible magic in this album and the little of it that anyone's heard yet is the group of people like on like hand to god like i i just i like i said i just am in awe all the time about like and i say this to pat like and credit to pat as the ringleader um he's got some kind of spider sense where like he 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 comes across like a person creatively you know and and to be able to be like i think that's that's the thing i'm gonna I'm going to work that into the web, the design. And it just like this group of people, it came together so freaking perfectly, you know, like you, and, and I think that you guys mentioned this with regard to listening through the album. It's like, you do hear the, the, the coalesce, the co, you know, that, that whole thing, the, the, the melding of the people together that, that does it. But that said, to answer your question directly, <laughs> how, how it feels, um, yeah, I mean, it's really all me at the end of the day, guys. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> I'm no, finally. No, it <laughs> is. Admit it. It is. It is uh, mind blowing, and you know, again, to get a little geeky and possibly even a little emotional for just a second, like, you know, I already said before, I kind of felt a little bit like, you know, who who was I before before Pat like called me up 
at the end of 2019 oh, to first of all do that remix and then everything that happened after um i you know heard the midnight los angeles in 2015 just randomly one day and like my life changed course that day and like between then and the time that we started working on this album i felt like i was like looking for that path to be able to like really tangibly do that and make like music that you know with a group of people that that would give me that feeling and mm -hmm. hopefully other people that feeling and i really felt like i was just like kind of searching and i've i've been a musician my entire life too so that there's you know the background to that as well so um I felt like, you know, I'll just I'll just say it, and everybody can like make fun of me. But I feel I felt like I found a home, honestly. Oh, um, welcome home. I know, welcome it's, home. It's, it's super corny, but like, I really feel that way. I mean, like, just the way that it, the way that everything ended up happening, and it seems like based on the reactions that people have to what they've heard of the album, like, it is it's doing something for people, mm -hmm. you know, and that is like as a, as a creative person an artist of any kind and especially a musician like you look for that for however long in your life and then that finally starts happening and you don't even know how long that'll last you know so like and i'm cognizant of that too so i'm just like it's this weird place that i'm in of like shock and like this is exactly what i want to be doing and i should be doing and i feel like i know that and I'm very fortunate to have this group of people that I'm, I'm working with that welcomed me to, to do that with them. And then now to finally be able to turn around and see the traction starting to happen, like out in the real world with people like listening and seeing it land with people is like the final piece of the puzzle, basically. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I'm just constantly walking around. Like, I feel like you can imagine some cartoon version of me just walking around the street with my head up in the sky and my mouth agape like is this real like what I, oh my god you know how did i get here um that's kind of where i'm at you know just like in shock a little bit in the clouds but like also kind of watching and being like i guess this is real you know this is the thing we're and, doing it yeah let's yeah. let's enjoy it but yeah, probably a, a, a very long-winded answer. You know, just cut it down, do whatever you got to do. But um, yeah, we don't do that. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> then I apologize for boring everybody for the last thirty seconds. But uh, it's great. It's exciting and a little bit surprising. I mean, Pat said himself that he's surprised at how it's going. You know, so I, I, my I whole imagine life, how I feel. You know. Yeah, my whole life is a risk. I just risk everything. So <laughs> that's how I live. <laughs> On the edge. On the I like edge. to live Good dangerously. Man. Yeah. Indeed. I'm really curious. Uh, there's basically, there's four people involved in the project. How, has there been discussions of when the world is open again? Mm. Is there a tour? How, what does that oh look my. like? How do we yeah. bring that? How do you bring the motion epic to the masses? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, we're trying to figure that out. I think Nick, Nick and, and I, um, Kali Mocho and I um, <laughs> would like to, we really, we, we've been in, in talks about it. We really want to get out there and like, obviously the circumstances have to be right, you know, um, and, and for us to go out there, we, we think it's possible. It's just, I think a matter of time really. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of music to put out as well. Um, we are already discussing the fourth one and kind of 
start Obviously. demoing it. So, you know, we want to keep rolling with, with studio stuff and we also want to get on the road. And I think eventually, hopefully this thing becomes a machine that we can just keep, you know, um, but uh, definitely, I think like the big thing for us would be to start playing gigs because we do have a big catalog already with the, with the three records. And, um, it's just, like I said, I think it's just really a matter of time and I hope it's soon. <laughs> I hope yeah. we do. Um, but, uh, yeah, we we're reaching out and, and trying to make it happen. So, yeah, with, the, with the three records, there is, there's enough of a set list of any ilk really if it's a 30 minute or a 90 minute set you have enough material that would knock anyone away with whatever time period you need to fill so be it you know if you're just you're the headliner or you're opening for somebody you've got things to really show off what you can do and i'm, I'm really excited to to see what you can do live pat um because i think your vocals especially on this record i think people are really going to see like Oh wow, this guy can really deliver the the the, the vocal performance because there's not you know in the synthwave scene and I I'm not gonna name names but it's sort of like the, there's there's only a, there's less than a handful of people that really have the vocal ability uh, that they deliver even on records and I think bringing that live to people would really like just bring it to another level i have to say like if i were capable of emotion or feeling <laughs> like it would be crazy because you put so much emotion and feeling I, I into your singing yeah, I, I i really dig deep i appreciate that by the way thank you Eric. and um and kyle i really appreciate that and like i i dig deep you know and uh every time i'm performing or even just recording a vocal like i i put myself in, in my lyrics and I just try to like push out as much emotion as possible um, and I think that's something I learned through time I mean it, and when I listen back to m my older recordings from my older bands um, I can see how I evolved you know and, and how that came into play and um, also being trained vocally really does make a difference um, even though I don't enjoy it I'll be honest I, <laughs> I vocal lesson they that's suck. fair but um yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I learned a lot throughout the years, and um, uh, that's why I can't wait to perform these songs live, live because, you know, they're just standing in front of the mic and, and just imagining myself singing a song like Worlds Apart, and, like, I, I hope I don't get emotional, you know, and, like, um, I, I hope the audience does, but... <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, what is it, what is it like having the power to make people cry with your voice <laughs> i i don't know i don't know i mean i never really experienced it but i i don't know um, you're about to yeah. you're gonna i would I, I wouldn't know what to do I, i'd probably like freak out and faint on stage um <laughs> that girl's crying what what did i do <laughs> um, <laughs> i didn't say anything mean i promise but, yeah. Okay, so touring's not an option then. <laughs> <laughs> As they're walking out of the venue, they're all in tears. They're like, what did you guys go see? We're like, which band? Uh, it's Motion Epic. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. But um, no, I, I mean, look, you, you know, um, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, like, needs to happen soon. <laughs> you know, the world's getting better, and yeah, I, I can't wait to uh, see Unlike people. in Canada restrictions are quickly fading right yeah that's that's another thing well uh i have an uncle that lives in jersey and i'm planning on escaping to you guys so um oh my God. <laughs> we'll be around escaping. i will be around um 
Yeah, but yeah, where where are you, Paradise Arcade guys? At we're in Minneapolis. Oh no, shit! Okay, cool. The Great North. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. <laughs> cool as in cold. Yes. <laughs> in, yes. Right. That's exactly it. <laughs> All right. So, I think we've we've covered a lot of bases uh, as far as the, the discussion, the overview of the album. Should we get into it's actually listening? Time to get on into it. Let's get into it. So let's listen to the the first track, and this is it's just the warm up. So let's listen to Boardwalk Arcadia. This is Android Automatic, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. All right. <laughs> Pat, let's take us through the the intro to the album. Sure. Um, so essentially, when I came up with the concept for Boardwalk Arcadia, I thought it was sort of going to be um, uh, a concept record. Um, but I wasn't sure then because, of course, the music wasn't written. Uh, however, I knew that I wanted to kind of create the atmosphere for everybody. I, I wanted to, to position that person listening to the record on the boardwalk and somehow um, through soundscapes and, and you know, just taking on different types of sounds. Uh, Andreas and I crafted what I had in my head, literally. It just came to be um, exactly as I envisioned. Um, and towards the end, um, you, you do hear that, uh, you know, the southern section of town, uh, Boardwalk. Um, this, this is taken from uh, a 1960s ad for Seaside Heights. Um, I actually contacted whoever was hosting the video. I was like, can I use this? Because it's absolutely perfect. You know, we, we want to use it for our music. And luckily, they, they, they were like, yeah, no problem, you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's how it kind of came to be. And then later on, we realized that You're Not Ready, which is the following track, was uh, the tone setter for the rest of the record. And um, because of Nick's um, Cali Mochos, impeccable track listing, um, we realized that that had to be the, the first song that people hear after the soundscape. And so we took, um, you know, elements from You're Not Ready and we implemented them into the soundscape, which is why you kind of hear um that tease coming in and out and that's um, i didn't yeah. hear that that is so subtle and so good <laughs> oh, man. Andreas, <laughs> he, he killed it um yeah and and i think like you know because we we kind of dressed boardwalk arcadia to compliment you're not ready because as i as i mentioned it, it is the i think for all of us and we're going to get into it onto the the next uh segment but it just it, we needed we needed something to kind of introduce that song you know like it's it's the big entry track and we wanted to grab people somehow so that's why we kind of connected the two so yeah it's it's really interesting my we don't really have boardwalks at least in in this area per se there's it, we're we're big on lakes land 10,000 lakes so there's plenty of those but like an actual boardwalk where there's arcade games and amusement parks and, and vendors that, that doesn't exist here. Uh, but what it does immediately bring me to, which is weird is like all the boardwalks in the lost or in lost boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I was going to say like, I've been on vacation before in my life and I've been, <laughs> I've been to one. Like I, I, I even, 
I immediately think of San Francisco when I think of that because I've been down to like Fisherman's Wharf and that kind of thing. And there is an arcade down there that has a bunch of old classic stuff. And then, like we were saying earlier, there's the infinite t-shirt shops yeah. as you go across it. Well, it's funny you bring up Lost Boys because essentially, like, yes, you know, my initial thought was, you know, I wanted to kind of uh, dedicate a record to all those years of going down to the shore and like just enjoying those moments. But I'm a huge fan of, of uh, Lost Boys. And I think that was um, part of the, I guess, a, I guess a catalyst to me making that decision of like, because I, I watch those movies all the time. I'll watch them a million times. They'll never get boring to me. And yeah, that environment, like you see it, you know, Santa Cruz boardwalk, um, which is, you can see by the visuals of boardwalk Arcadia and what we've uh, done to our artwork it really much uh really does look like um almost santa cruz santa cruz but more uh dreamy i guess yeah so more imagined more you know like Like, this is the boardwalk of your mind the boardwalk it's like the whole synth wave retro wave thing right it's like your your imagined version right of uh a place or a time I actually uh, was reading an article about synthwave, and and I, I I don't remember the term now, but basically like, everyone, who's writing articles on synthwave? You'd be surprised. It was ac- it, this is actually an aside to the main point of the article, but what they were trying to do is distinguish like what made synthwave like why people are attracted to it, and it's basically like one of the things is like synthwave is an imagined, um remembrance of a time that didn't actually exist so it's like it's because of the media you consume you've constructed how a certain time is through lost boys and other types of things like that all through the 80s in reality the 80s sucked like that it wasn't a great time to live like it was economic depression and and pretty pretty awful but through the media of the time it, it really painted a particular picture which is not realistic and i forget what the term is but there is a basically a term of like love of a time that is not really accurate this is, is kind of what that is toxic nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> so me, me thinking of any other day other than today <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that eric because like even for me like i'm a 90s boy like i was born in the early 90s but I, the first thing I was introduced to was Back to the Future. Like I, my father put that, that videotape in. So in my mind growing up, I thought the eighties were the fucking shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) When I, like Huey Lewis was the first band I I ever heard and I'm wearing his shirt. Hey, hey, good. Repping Huey Lewis. (laughs) So like, I mean, it just stuck with me and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, it's like, that it wasn't, it wasn't a great time, but through the media it was. And I think that's where. A lot of people now are just so still influenced by by the era it's insane like it just never i saw an article by nbc recently that said the 80s are, are still here you mm-hmm. know and like top guns coming out this year you know what i mean so i think it's like the the first decade that is so widely broadcast and there's so much content it's the first like mm-hmm. is it like the biggest gaslight ever like the 80s were great the 80s were great you fucking better believe it i mean it could be i mean there's there's a lot of fantasy involved in the 80s just because it's a removal of the economic you know con i unfortunately we we were in school in the 80s like 
I remember being in school. And yeah, I'm an old. We're old boys. Old boys, and and so I remember it not being that, but not being that great, but also being really magical. The way you escaped was through movies, was through television, was through music, mm-hmm. and that it, it painted such a a specific view. It's like the Spielberg kind of thing that he had in the 80s right. like his movies mm. captured a magic yeah. magic it's really the best way to put it and all the advertising was focused like on us as kids like yeah here's some cool shit you gotta get it That's, that was really the start of it i think absolutely because yeah, r- interestingly enough ronald reagan repealed the law that said you could not advertise to children so the 80s was the mm. first decade where they repealed the law where you can make shit just for kids. Say, buy this shit. Yeah. I mean, I still want to buy that shit. <laughs> here, we, here we are. Here we are. Still chasing it. Uh, so anyways, that that's a little an aside from, from it all. So it's a great setup to the record. It's a tone setter, if you will, mm-hmm. to the rest of the record. And I think you do a really good job of, of setting exactly where the headspace is where you need to be. So perfect. And I what I really appreciate, Pat, about this and, and everyone on the team, Nick, you're you're a vital part of this is No no no. Don't worry about most me. vital part, as we clearly found out earlier. Uh, your, your, Understand your words, that you're the words. best. Uh is that it it's not just uh about the song or a hook or hey, I'm trying to sell a single and I know that if I put XYZ in this single, it's gonna get me this amount of likes and this amount of airplay. It's about the entire experience. And I think because of the the length of the album and what goes into it, it lends itself to as an entire experience. And the first track to that really sets up the whole thing. Like, this is the headspace you're going to be in. Be ready now. So are we ready for the next track? You're not ready. No one's ready. But let's let's just listen to it. This is Cody Carpenter, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. So let's talk about You're Not Ready. All right. Um, so essentially, uh, man, the song was, I think, the second demo that Nick sent me. And um, man, uh, I, I'm like trying to think back of um, how I had started writing it originally. And it was it was something so different. Like I, I think I remember the melody I was using. It was like I was I was saying I was singing something along the lines of like we are the lost boys. We are the <laughs> lost boys. We are the lost boys. And uh, you know, then it became you're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> um, kidding. Um, but no, like really, um, it's uh, I really wanted to you know introduce our listeners and, and, and everybody's been to the beach. Right. And, and I mean, when you're single, you sometimes you're, you're like looking around and you're like, Oh, wow, there's some pretty women here. Um, and I just, it's natural. Right. I mean, that's just, you, you know, you think to yourself, you're like, okay. But um, I, I wanted to kind of have that like young summer love feel, you know, it's like you end up on the beach and, and you see someone that you might, you, you have maybe, a little bit of feelings for and you try to approach the person and it's always like a thing of self-confidence i think this song essentially is just about that that's what i wrote about um 
is sometimes, you know, as a, and we've all felt this, we sometimes don't feel like we have the confidence enough to go to that person and be like, hi, you know, introduce yourself or something. So like, if, if Kyle, I can't relate like, to that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling me out? Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's that really, it's, it's just a song about, um, you know, um, trying to come to terms with yourself and being like, Hey, can I actually go out? And it's all these thoughts running through your head. And, um, I don't know if you guys felt feel that way about it. Um, that's how I kind of put the song together originally. And, um, you know, all she wants to do is dance, right? At the end of the day, it's just like, you know, it's not that, that hard, like just, you know, build up that confidence, go up to her and just kind of see what happens. And if you get rejected, then there's no song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. And, and, um, what I love about the track and I know Nick's going to go into it musically, but you know, the, the key change is just such an important part of the song when, when we get uh, Max to come in and rip it on the sax. Uh, emotionally speaking, um, that, that key change really just like tells you the story of the rest of the record in a matter of like a minute. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much my portion of putting that song together. Um, Nick, we need well. to hear from you, buddy. Am I expected to get into the geeky stuff? You got a compliment. Get, get in there because, because this song. You're in the hot seat. You're in the hot <laughs> seat, buddy, because this song is so good. Oh, it, wow. Thank here's, you. here's what I want to say this is easily one of those things that could be. You could replace a Huey Lewis song in a movie and oh, it would geez. fit perfectly in there. It would just. Oh, oh. shit. That's a big compliment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's so. What you do in this on this record, I think and you've been building up to it over the last two records is this ability to have these really catchy hooks, but be very memorable and um, hit on a very specific kind of mood. And I think with this record really hits it And this song, like coming right out of the gate is so strong. And I know Nick, you did the track listing, the order of how the album progressed. You could say that. Yes, indeed. So talk about your contribution, what your thoughts are, how you approach the song. Uh, okay, so looking at the song like on its own, right? Because this was, Pat, you were correct. I'm pretty sure it was the second one I sent to you. I sent one to Pat that didn't end up making this album, which makes sense, um, you know, because you honestly were lucky that it's amazing that the second one became this like, oh, well, that's definitely like, that's the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, which is a testament to how this whole, the process of the record was. Cause from that point, it pretty much was like, it just happened, you know? Um, but the song on its own, because I, we didn't have this whole perfect visual and sonic idea of the album yet. Cause it was, this was one of the very, you know, this was the second one that we did. Um, for me, I thought I knew that my inclination was going to be what, because spending so much time talking about how this record was supposed to feel and the emotion it was supposed to encapsulate for the sort of character that you live with on this record, that there was going to be a lot of sort of emoting on the record, um, which you really feel when you get to the, the side, side B of the record, which we'll talk about. Um, and so I knew that we needed to counterbalance that. And I also knew that like, 
I'm imagining I had, you know, Pat had shown me like the artwork and stuff. So I, I knew my starting point was definitely going to be this like, you know, somewhere around two in the afternoon or maybe a little later, like you've just gotten out of school on the last day of school and you head to this place and you're looking for young love or maybe you have somebody that you're interested in and all of the feelings and a lot of the stuff that Pat just talked about and thinking about that from a musical perspective and also knowing that I wanted it to be like sort of upbeat and basically, you know, like we said, like a tone setter kind of thing. And so I thought, you know, straight ahead kind of like rhythm as, as you can hear, it's like a kick and snare is very sort of four on the floor driven thing. Um, ascending chord progression, you know, all of the things that I won't, I won't get too deep into that stuff, but all of these decisions when crafting a musical arrangement and a demo to create this feeling of like, you're being lifted up kind of emotionally in a way and knowing that Pat's going to discuss the things that he discusses, you know, from like, a, again, sort of a character perspective lyrically uh, and just trying to run in that direction. And if I, you know, I will say this as well, as far as like, uh, and I don't think that we landed in this exact spot, which I think is a good thing, but I know that by that point, Pat and I had started to discuss Bruce Springsteen yeah. quite a bit yeah. which is you know he's he's our our fucking guy mm-hmm. like we we would die at the feet of bruce springsteen and so um and pat i i think that that's fair for me to speak for both well, of us on, yeah on actually i'm happy you brought that up because that was the first thing i wanted to say about the, the lyrics behind this song and i completely forgot well, there you go. <laughs> so thank you for bringing it up but uh, that's I, why I, he brought me here today guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring up bruce springsteen that's yeah it's I, good yeah i'm glad you remembered in, but yeah no basically just that um what happened was when i had um you know a tunnel of love uh from from springsteen there's there's that song um uh, where you know you hear a bit of the soundscape at the end right nick you, you do hear like mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever really listen in headphones you do hear like like people screaming and it sounds like there's a roller coaster Mm -hmm. so i mean that's another reason as to why like for this particular song is like man like that that album was uh, a big influence on on us putting Mm -hmm. uh, me putting this album together as well so i definitely had that in my head when working on this yeah um, which again, you know, I will not say that we end up sounding anything like Bruce Springsteen. No. Nobody does, nobody could. Um, but purely from an emotional inspiration reference point, mm-hmm. I can just imagine that rolled up fucking sleeve and the guitar <laughs> down over yeah. the crotch, that perfect blonde, uh, you know, it's not a telecaster, Esquire. And um, I'm showing just how geeky I get about Springsteen right now. And just like chugging, chugging away and the, whoa, whoa, <laughs> you know, and fist in the air, like, you know, the whole yeah. thing. And it feels like that to me, yeah. which I hope is not too bold no, to say. I, I know. No, it's, it's that. <laughs> yeah. And the guitar strapped right off your back is on mm-hmm. the second part of the verse. So on uh, second mm-hmm. verse, sorry. So luckily Andreas had the, insight uh to not make it a guitar heavy song mm-hmm. which i know at a certain point in the process i started actually pushing for that to happen because i really got on this train of like that's the thing you know bruce springsteen uh, yeah like and it's like well we're not making a springsteen record so you know again huge credit to andreas and and pat as well i know that's a collaborative effort 
at the last stage and deciding like how's it actually gonna go you know mm -hmm. um yeah. but yeah like the rest of it as far as like trying to figure out the tone and like how you want music to make a person feel and this and that and all that goes into that like you know now's as good a time as any to start talking about bruce springsteen so everybody buckle up you know like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah until we get a couple more songs in and then it'll be phil collins so well, yeah yeah, right. mm. yeah there we go spoiler alert yeah. spoiler alert all right do we have anything else to talk about with this track anything that's well, can I just say that Ben Max Cruz right. uh, is an absolute god among men. Um, and the key change, I know that that was something that was brought up. Uh, that is in there almost solely because how are you going to do 80s without a key change? Indeed. You know, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, if you can get away with it, do it. You know? Do it. Right. You can't okay. always get away with it, so... I mean, should we throw no. a thing in there? Should we say, like, this is what a key change is for people who don't know, for who people right. who may not realize it? Nick, please okay. be the man. Uh, I mean, really, just listen to it and you'll know what it is. But, you know, you when you're playing conventional music, you're usually operating within one key, which is basically to say that you can move between parts of the song and like it never sounds like jarring or like something changed in an unpleasant way. It's it's a boundary line to work within. You use certain notes and certain chords, right? It's what we do as musicians. But you can change that, hence a key change. So you can at a certain point in the song, depending on what you want to achieve, you can suddenly set up a, a, a key change and you, you know, in this case, you go up and I believe it's a whole step for all the music theory people out there. Um, and hopefully, and I think that was the case here, it will give, it will add yet another level of this sense of like, you've been lifted up, you know, um, physically almost and emotionally for sure in, in a song. That's like, I, I hope that that is a way for anyone who's not at all familiar with like m music theory stuff to, to kind of express what a key change is and, and does. We appreciate that because there are people, there are plenty of people listening to this that know nothing about music, about song progression, any of those kinds of things. And I think I like Nick. Thank you for mm -hmm. using your layman's terms of explaining what you feel when you feel the song. It's like, what, yeah. If you don't know what a key change is, like if you have no idea about that, you you know it when it happens but you just may not know what it is right because yeah. like so at the end of the day songs are mathematics they write they run on yeah. mathematic principles so it, they just tie so distinctly to our emotions as well so it's an interesting dichotomy a little bit of being very logical and also very emotional at the same time math is gross <laughs> True that, man. We, we won't get into math i'm just saying no. all, i'm just saying all right, so let's get into the next song, uh, Love Somebody. This is Com Trues, and you are listening to the Paradise Arcade. All right, so I'm really surprised that this song isn't one of the lead singles. Oh, well, they, okay, boy. so but now there was there was there's a conversation about this. <laughs> <laughs> but, a I'll, long I'll, ass I'll, conversation. Yeah. 
which 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 Pat will happily tell you about. Tell tell oh, us about boy. it because I love this song. This is the song I want to play to my non-retro uh, inclined uh, partner. It's this song is amazing. I love this. It's one of my favorite tracks. So Pat, no, let's you. talk about it. Yeah. So um, lyrically, um, you know, prior to the pandemic, I I travel. I I love to travel um, out to New York and, and Nashville, New York primarily because I have family there and it's just a, a great pl- place for inspiration. You know, um, musically speaking, sometimes I take out demos there and I'll write in the city um, or Nashville. And essentially for the, the, the section where um, tip in the jar, going to catch a break. I figured that I've come pretty far in wasted talent that was born in on the third floor of a honky tonk in, on Broadway Street, because uh, I go down to Nashville every year, because um, I have a lot of friends there, and I, I love to co-write and you know songwrite there as well. And um, so that those group of lyrics is something I wrote down as I was drinking, and because you know, <laughs> when you see in Nashville, there's a, a a lot of live bands playing at once, right? And and um, and uh, it's very typical of a band to you know pass around a tip jar and come talk to people, and you know. Um, converse and it's just something that you know seeing it so many times by being being down there like it, it just resonated with me enough for me to keep it as like a um, like a note you know on my phone and uh, when we were crafting this song for some odd reason when I was scrolling the notes I just happened to stop on on that section and I sung it over the pre-chorus section by just naturally just came out uh, I think after a few takes is when I got it and I was like okay now I'm going to work around this idea. And um, so the song, you know, I was having trouble with it lyrically. I think Nick is, uh, it was going to kill me. And I called him <laughs> on several, several occasions. I'm like, dude, this song does not make sense. It's like, you know, you're talking about like trying to make it as a musician. And then in the chorus, you're talking about loving somebody else. So I'm like, how does this translate? Like, we got to do something about this. And uh Luckily, he kind of gave me a vision and a direction to say, like, no, maybe you're just looking in the mirror and you're saying that love somebody is actually like loving yourself for what you are as a person, you know, and like for when and I think when you you can go back and study the lyrics, I think like it really is a letter to myself. Uh, after mm-hmm. all these years of being a musician, mm-hmm. I, I really dedicated this song to like striving for for success. And um, and when you get into the second pre-chorus, I kicked the tip jar, right? Because uh, we caught that break, which we're hoping to, right? Knock on wood. So um, <laughs> you heard a loud noise there. Uh, Somebody literally uh, knocked on my door when you said knock on wood. Oh, uh, that's 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 kind of scary, right? Um, it's either a good or a bad really, omen, right there. Yeah. It's, been nice, been it's nice an omen of guys. some sort. <laughs> yeah. um, so so that's how it came about lyrically, uh, as a single. Oh boy, we had. And we had so many discussions about which songs to take as singles because, like, we capped ourselves at two because we felt like, you know, giving away a bit too much of the record might be, a you know, an unfortunate situation um, when the record comes out. So uh, it was such a hard decision. Guys, I don't I don't even know how to start telling you. Like, I, I would was, imagine I would imagine that it was an agonizing uh, decision because there's. I just want to know, like, when you sit and listen to your music and you know that it's good, like, you know, like, 
man, this song, these songs are hot. Like, I want, this is... I'd be like, I want everything of mine to be a single. <laughs> right. How <laughs> right now? Like, did you know at some point, like, oh, man, we, we have something that's really like fire. Like this, this thing is. Well, or do you hold uh, back? Like, this is I, good, but there's something even better people got to wait for. I, I would get emotional. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a very emotional person. And if I get really into my own head. I literally at that point when we were deciding what would be the single, I was literally almost in tears because I was so freaking angry. I'm like, what song? Which song? Because I would get like I would play the record for for my you know my close family or friends, and like my brother picked it out the other day. He's like, why wasn't Worlds a part of single? I'm like, oh, just shut up, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're making it harder for me. Oh um, my god. Yeah, no, love somebody was like a top it was a top contender, right, Nick? Like that was well. So this is here's cutting to the chase we yeah. decided and maybe this was just us making ourselves feel okay with having to kill some of our babies in the single picking stage but i remember distinctly talking about like you know what love somebody and the other ones that you know i think we'll all feel the same way about um we said like a lot of the our favorite albums because this is how how we operate right we, we just have to reference our are the things that inspire us as as artists uh, a lot of our favorite albums, you know, every song's not a single, and there would be one, two, maybe even more songs on any given album that we love that we were like, that's a single to me, you know, but it's not actually a single that that band like released as a single, but it does like it has that feeling. And we thought, well, Love Somebody will will be that for for people. Right. Um, and I hope that that is the case. It seems yeah. like given y'all's reaction uh, I straight up feel that this song is going to be like when I'm talking about like licensing, I feel like this song is going to be licensed for something like this is a montage. This is an intro to a television show. This is something that like <laughs> well, so perfectly imagine. captures an emotion, a feeling, and it could describe um, something that's very sentimental, very, very well. And it's so catchy and so you just you latch onto it. Like to me, like this is the song. Like someone's like, What's a retro thing that is really good? I'm like, here you go. This love somebody is that song to me, like that I would present to somebody that that is tuned into modern aesthetic or doesn't follow um what we our world is but would be able to like bring them in. Like here's your introduction into this whole other side of the like, world. I gotcha. Cause it it's mixes all those things really well. I was going to say, it's very validating for me. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, but I'm so excited that you say that because I think that I definitely consciously felt that way at a certain point when I was ready to start, when, when Pat and Andrea started sending me like, here's like a pretty finished version you know like we maybe got to do a couple other backing vocal parts but then we'll we'll mix it um and they send me this one uh that you know I, I would have a few at that point and and or i think i had a few at that point that i could have maybe sent some of my close friends and family and i sent them love somebody as a because you never want to like i wouldn't send them all of them you know right like right but like you know yeah friends and family who frankly like for for me there's very few who if if any at all honestly that like would know anything about like the retro wave synthwave community uh and that kind of music and i thought well i'll send them love somebody as as the one to be like hey this is what we're doing this is what this thing i'm working on is going to sound like yes 
this is what I would say. What is the, and this is my personal opinion. So this is, right. if someone says, talk to me about the motion epic, what are they, what do they do? I would send them this song. Wow. wow. That's, that's like, that's, that's huge. It's a, it's an introduction into, and it's not saying that like you have songs that are less than or better than it's just a perfect, it's a way to capture someone's ear to go, Oh, I know what this is about. I understand this now. I'm a layman because I don't know what this thing is about, but Mm -hmm. here's the thing that gets you into this band that to me, this is the song. I, I think that's something that if I can be so bold as to say, but I think if I'm recalling correctly, pat that early on like that kind of was the goal mm-hmm. you know like when pat uh at, right at the beginning when we started talking about when pat was like well you work with us mm-hmm. uh and if you remember early in the conversation i said like i was so apprehensive when we first started doing anything together because i'm like well i don't really make like synth wave you know um the stuff that i that i had worked on uh and and pat was like that's why you're the guy because he was connecting for whatever fucking reason emotionally <laughs> with stuff that I was doing, but it wasn't like just, you know, cause you could bring in, I mean, there's any number of, and, and respect and love to all of them. There's any number of really great synthwave producers. Absolutely. Um, I'm, and I adore every single one of them and I listen to them all day, every day. Uh, but you know, there just was a conscious decision, obviously, you know, and Pat, maybe you can, tell us about this but what really pushed you to want to do something maybe a little different right well i i think like i'm i'm all about feeling like i i i and what i mean by that is there are many musicians out there that will read music by the book and they're incredible musicians like don't get me wrong like you know um i'm based on feeling entirely so when i hear something that strikes me in a certain way and the producer in me feels like I gotta, we gotta do something like that. We gotta evolve in this way. So when I heard Nick's, God, Cali Mocho's stuff, you just call me. It's for yeah, the purposes of this. Nick. Please just call me Nick. Nick. Everybody, okay. I am Nick. It's I am Cali Mocho. I, it's the third time I do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the literally was a, a moment for me where I was like, I got we gotta take the motion epic in a new direction, but keeping the kind of keeping the shell of what the motion epic is and changing the egg a little bit i don't know if that's a good like analogy but like, <laughs> you know i don't know i don't know how else to put it it's just like you know we got to keep what we're doing and change up the sauce a little bit and 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 that's why i think you know nick was brought into the project and um you know i'm, I'm especially for a song like love somebody where you know, uh, there are, are a lot of added elements, kind of like, you know, there's a marimba sound, right? That you mm. added, Nick, the, and, and that section. And then mm. there's also what influenced, because of that section, actually, is what influenced the back end where there's that big somebody harmony section, which was directly inspired by Lionel Richie's all, all Night Long. We literally wanted to create it in our own way. Mm, represent. Yeah. Mm. True story. Yeah. And that's, that, this is what I like about this album, is it evokes a whole bunch of feelings and like other things, but I can't really quite grasp what they are. But when you say them, I'm like, holy that's, shit. That's exactly it. Right that's there. exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly <laughs> it. And yeah. so I think that what this album does so effectively is, um, 
harken back to songs or feelings or, or or even visual things. That's the thing about the motion epic, especially this record, is that visually I get like music videos in my head of you know Lionel Richie or or you know Huey Lewis or Hall and Oates like all these well, things Hall and Oates vibe for sure I wanted to say something about that I don't want to interrupt about all Hall and Oates but it's a big deal because there we go yeah it's a big deal because um when we started the Motion Epic and I remember bringing Andreas a ton of uh 80s music because I spend half an hour a day still uh discovering new music from from the era and 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 uh, like I, I take elements and I keep them I keep notes of them, um, but anyways, Hollow Notes obviously was one of the groups that I knew for years. And at that time, I, I I showed I had shown Andreas a ton of music that I thought we could develop our sound around, and I played him out of touch by Hollow Notes and how present the drum sounds are in that song are ridiculous. Like if you hear it on loudspeakers, the the snare and the kick are like obnoxious, and it's funny because i remember that he like looked at me he's like yeah we got to do something like this and we kept that style throughout our records we just kept that kick and snare in your in your face um and especially on boardwalk arcadia i think it's another level of like boom, bam, and, boom. And, and especially on love somebody yeah yeah oh my god even in like just at, at, in the first verse right so mm-hmm. but then like talking about that that album like big bam boom uh, all american girl you hear the stuff going on in the background once the song's over that kind of brings it back to that too i kind of got that vibe from that also so yeah, yeah your point and yeah. so it's really it's just it's impressive like hearing this record again it, it's 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 nostalgic in the best kind of way but you don't ever unless you guys say it's this thing no one i don't think anyone could really necessarily pick it up like it's all these really subtle things i know like i am fucking amped right now that we're talking about hollow notes and then like seriously this guy is all about hollow notes (laughs) validated that i was like oh there's some of this stuff that i'm getting out of it and then it was intentional like i'm not a psychopath (laughs) at least least in this situation yeah very much so we uh yeah we really grab elements and we we make them you know part of our music so yeah. Well, dare I say, I think maybe, you know, and again, it's it's I love that it's already just like three tracks in impossible to talk about any individual track without talking about the album as a whole, which I feel like is such, a, you know, it's very validating for Pat and I, because that was we were gung ho about that. Um, I mean, we agonized over the track listing. Oh, but when I tell you, like we sat there on yeah. the phone, like listening to uh, the first 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds, like in every combination. But that's another thing. Um, but what I was going to say is, again, like, uh, and a credit to Pat's insight, talking to me early on about like, well, I want to, I do want your your help and your input on, on trying to make this next record for the XYZ reasons. Because with Synthwave, Retrowave, any of the waves, you can so easily lean towards drawing from a certain aesthetic or vibe of that era. Uh, and no disrespect to anyone out there, I think there's maybe only a handful of people who, prior to the time we were talking about it, were trying to draw from these prolific singer-songwriter types right. of, of the 80s, certainly production-wise. 
you know, and so here we're talking about Springsteen, Lionel Richie. For me, I will also throw in that Steve Winwood was yeah. a, a, a reference yeah. for for me for Love Somebody, um, Higher Love, and the kind of percussion that you have on there, and this this sing along, you think this gang vocal, uh, you know, make me a higher love, and all all that, and that I I hear that in my head, um, and those things rather than. You know, not that they're exclusive, right? Right, right they're, they're not. To to do the the other thing that's maybe a little, often a little darker, uh, a little more, less swings. That, that's that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to get at, right? Like there's a swing element to to a lot of our favorite songs from the '80s era, especially the late '80s when people started when the Miami scene blew up, right? Right. And people were incorporating Afro-Cuban percussion. Um, which I am absolutely obsessed with and was delighted to be able to work into this track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you have that awesome moment at the end where uh, some of the stuff kind of drops out and you just have that sing along, somebody, somebody, and you hear, you know, if you listen closely, it's, it's probably a little more of a felt not heard thing, but, but if you start paying attention, you can hear the percussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! In the track, and I it's know a that percussive really, song in some sort of ways. Yeah, right. Yeah, in fact, the the first version of it that that I had come up with almost sounded like something from the Lion King, the movie, <laughs> the cartoon, um, with sort of like Afro percussive uh, elements in it, uh, and and we kept just enough of that. Yeah, but um, but yeah, again, I think the point I'm just trying to make is that um, you know. I'm I'm just feeding off of y'all's excitement and energy. It's so awesome to to finally get a chance to to talk to people about the album because we've been waiting for so long. Yeah. So true. you know, stop me if I'm ever rambling here, but um you know, we were very, very conscious in so many ways on this album about uh so many things and, and one of them was you know, trying to to keep an element of maybe some groove or swing where we could without alienating people who might not be used to that in the motion epics existing fan base and the larger synthwave fan audience. Um, and like you said, to still try and make it feel like you're still feeling that like, Oh, well, this is the, this is the eighties. This is nostalgic. This is the thing that I want and I come here for, but I'm still really enjoying it. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit new and different for me in a way and this and that and the other thing. And I'm definitely rambling at this point, but no. Uh, you know, shout out to the night game for, uh, yeah. being a big modern, uh, sort of, I think pioneer in, on that front. And I know that Pat will definitely agree. Oh with yeah. That, so I'm a big night game fan. Um, you guys have, have you ever heard of them? The night game? No, I have not. No. Okay. We're out just, of the loop. Just, uh, after this interview, if you do remember, I'll message you guys. I'll let you, I'll remind All you. All right, cool. But just go take a listen, and, and it'll, it'll I think, I, I digress at that point. At this yeah. point, I digress, because you just have to hear it, and you'll, you'll know. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, so this, this track is really strong, and I think it evokes a lot of things without explicitly being uh, too on the nose. And I think what the Motion Epic has done consistently really well is evoke kind of moods that that Huey Lewis or, or Hollow Notes did phil collins or whatever it is but do it in your own way and and so it's not aping that's the biggest thing i think what we were sort of talking about earlier is with with other synthwave 
groups or people is that they they more mimic instead of being able to get to the root of what some of these people are originally trying to do evoke a particular um, emotion or idea or scene or whatever it is and then convey it that way and i think what especially in this record you're able to do so well and then this wink and nod to specific people and, and then mash it together right so you get a little hollow notes you get a little phil collins you get a little bit all these little little bits of spice if you will uh throughout this album uh, without being explicit and i love that about it so let's get to the the next track um, which is merry-go-round all right hi this is das mortal and you're listening to the paradise arcade so you know wow first i want to say you know vocally pat mm -hmm. on this it's just outstanding uh you're a little more I, I think you lean a little more into it uh with this track and um let's just let's just talk about the the track and and where you come from pat yeah i mean um this this was actually supposed to be an instrumental piece um and uh, i laughed because it was an instrumental piece up until the end like really i think close to uh when we were wrapping up and um I was like, no, uh, I got an melody idea. <laughs> no, I, no uh, Yeah, and Andreas loves to hear that, right? When he like, by the way, I'm just adding vocals in, in this extra song here, and he's like, okay, let's hear them. And um, <laughs> yeah, I I think um, I I was just driving one night, and and um, I had this like kind of I I normally don't write this way, but you know, like have this um, sort of monotone vocal idea kind of hip-hop influence where it's just like the same tone going on and, and on and i'm like this this is interesting so i brought it to the studio and and i was like what if we implemented vocoder and and kind of just made make this a bit more interesting melodically and um it worked instantly obviously because of just like you know keeping that straight thing going and uh, it, it automatically reminded us of Phil Collins. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is, is really sounding, starting to piece together properly. Um, but lyrically speaking, I think it's just it's sort of, um, you know, uh, the merry-go-round is a very popular ride. You, you see it most often when you go to a boardwalk or even in a, a, like a, a fair, right? Right. Uh, you, you, they're, they're very popular. So I thought like, you know, if we're writing a boardwalk record, we have to kind of um, make it obvious that, you know, there's got to be a, a merry-go-round song of some sort <laughs> on this. Um, and um, I, it kind of introduces uh, Runaway in many ways, because initially it, it was supposed to be, again, an instrumental piece uh, that kind of complemented Runaway. And I, I think when Nick gets to the music part of it, he'll, he'll describe it better than I can. But um, when, you know, we found Love on the Merry-Go-Round, it's like, that's when he meets that, this character in the story meets that girl that, um, you know, he wants to run away with. So it's, it's kind of like an introduction, introduction, ah, ah losing my <laughs> introductory track to run away in its own respect. So um, that's pretty much the, you know, vocal and melodic side of it. And, and lyric, lyrically speaking, I just, um, you know, I powered myself through that, that those takes and that um, I think it was the song that 
took the least time vocally because I knew exactly what I wanted when I when I walked in. And um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. I, you know, I, I do a little falsetto section there, which I don't normally do again. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, my take. You should uh, think about doing a little more falsetto, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, the next, on the next one. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, all uh, acapella, all falsetto. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uh, like the Billy Joel doo wop album. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, I suppose just to uh, sort of fill out. Uh, a little bit of what Pat referenced. Oh, well, first, actually, uh, let me, if we need to go backwards for a second, because mm. Pat, we managed to talk about love somebody without talking about Sparky, right? which is right. absurd because he yeah. ended up defining so much of like the groove of that track with the bass up. part and the guitar. So it was so sorry to Sparky, but you know, get that Tiesto money, dude. Like, I don't, you know, you're good. You're good. Yeah. No. So just a quick, really big shout out to Sparky. Uh, that track came absolutely to life when he sent over his, his parts on that. Big time. Uh, with regard to Merry Go Round, it was supposed to be an instrumental track, which is just like this, just a perfect example of like the Pat conundrum, you know, where he'll start. And we've, <laughs> we've had this struggle, you know, by this point there's been like three or four or five times where it was like well oh this is we're doing this thing and then somewhere at, at the last minute past like oh but i had an idea and now it's ruined we can't do that thing we were going to do anymore like that's gone you know we've got it we've got to take it this other way because you have to you have to chase that when when it happens um but yes uh we had uh made significant progress with runaway by this point and knowing that we wanted to have a couple of sort of musical interludes on the album, we did sort of say to ourselves, like, well, let's have a setup track for, for Runaway to kind of get you from, and I don't think we had the final track listing at, at this point, but I, we must have known that we were going to have to sort of bridge a gap from one sort of emotional tone to another. Um, and... I think I felt like, because um, originally, again, it was an instrumental track, so uh, just me by myself in my dungeon trying to come up with ideas, uh, I felt like there was a tone to the music that is very peaceful, but dare I say sort of moving in a way. Um, the sounds that are used, the pace of the track, uh, the way that musically it sort of builds, uh, which Andreas and Pat ended up complimenting even more later in, on by having this track sort of speed up to its tempo to, in the first few bars there, which is uh, genius on their part. Um, and I'm not sure whatever else I was going with that, but I've, I've probably said as much as, as this <laughs> said. Uh, other than, well, I will say, if, if, if I may, on a personal note, um, I did, I pretty much cried when Pat sent this back, um, because I had ended up putting so much of myself emotionally into this track, which I had titled Montreal when I sent to Pat, um, because funnily enough, my fondest memory in my life, actually, well, my adult life is of, uh, 
my now wife and I taking a, a trip to Montreal in the dead of winter. And it was like negative 20 degrees. And, you know, that sounds a little asinine, but it you does make for it. a memorable. Yeah. Yeah. We know yeah. what that, that life was like. It does make, and we're from upstate New York. So, you know, we're not, we weren't unfamiliar with, you know, cold, but not negative 20, you know, but it ended up just being this experience for me that, you know, I had never been to a place like Montreal and basically the track musically for me, uh, is really like my my living memory of that trip and walking around Montreal in the dead cold in pitch black night and it all sounds miserable but it was like magical and wonderful at the time um, and I so I, I was just like I was really attached to, to the track and, and honestly I was a little apprehensive when Pat first started talking about what he wanted to do as it sounds like Andreas probably was as, as well like what do you want to do now um, but they did it and they sent they sent it back and I, I had to like I was actually with a, a client working on a, an album uh, at, at the time uh, here in Austin and I had to like step out of the room and and go like take take a minute and I just I mean I was so struck and I, I really 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 hope that that it hits at least some people that way when as they listen through this album and that's that's all I have to say about it wow powerful stuff yeah all right pat anything else you want to add to this um nick i'm sorry for making you cry allegedly um i i yeah i i honestly it, like i said i think it was just uh, a feeling again you know uh we were done this track and and i was like nope I need, needed to come back in and, and do something with it. And um, I'm actually happy that we ended up doing so because I feel like Merry Go Round, instead of being an interlude now, is a, it's its own song. Yeah. Right. And and even though it's not structured like one. um, Yeah. It's, Which, hey, even better, you know? Right. Yeah. What I like about it is it's just it's it's purely evocative. It's emotion. It's it really. Without doing the, the typical song structure, it it brings you to a place. And I think Nick, it's interesting uh, as you describe kind of where your headspace was with a combination of what Pat does to it. It really works together. It really kind of, he, he helps the vocals help bring it to that next extra level of what you're mm-hmm. talking about. So extra, extra, level. Yes, that next more level. level. We're, uh, we're actually planning on, um, um, releasing a deluxe version of boardwalk arcadia because we have some of the demos that i really want people to hear because they the songs evolved so much from the demo phase mm-hmm. to the to the final phase and in respect they're also kind of could live as their own versions right nick 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 you you can agree with that like they could be well you know well i you know yes <laughs> well maybe yeah, I, I, you, you get my you get my point <laughs> i don't think i don't think you're wrong but it's I'm very wrong. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's, it's just <laughs> apples and oranges. But yeah, know? no, essentially that's what I wanted to do is like put out the record with the instrumentals again and, and have like a section where, you, you know, we can have our listeners actually listen to some of the demos that are approvable. Uh, that we could actually have. <laughs> um, some of them more than others. Right. You know, uh, Worlds Apart is one that right. I... 
you know, we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right. So let's get let's get into the next. You know, this is the first single off of the the record. It's featuring Michael Oakley. So let's listen to this, and, uh, and then we'll discuss. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Ghost, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. Pat, let's discuss Runaways. This is the first single. Yeah. Um, so we got the demo. Well, I got the demo from Nick, and um, it was just this beautiful track. And uh, initially, I, I and I tend to do this lyrically, is whatever comes to my mind, I, I, like I roll with. And um, so I, I, it kind of wrote itself. It was like a five, it was one of those five minute songs, you know? And um, I remember I, I, this was, this was, uh, this was uh, a little ballsy of me, I think, uh, looking back. But uh, Michael Oakley and I, uh, we had met in Toronto, and uh, super awesome guy, like such a nice dude. And uh, I, I first, I heard him on this song. I just, I don't know what was in me. I'm like, damn it! So I hit him up, <laughs> and I'm like, check out this demo. I think you know we need a solo, and and that's pretty much it. But I would love for you to be involved. And uh, he hit me back up and he's like, yo, I love the song. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, wow, okay. This is crazy. <laughs> um, I never, I honestly, I, I didn't think he would say yes, yeah, not because, you know, um, for whatever doubts I have in my mind, but it's just that uh, he's a busy guy. He's releasing his own material and, uh, you know, he's working closely with Ali on a lot of stuff. And I just, I was just taking my chances and I'm, I'm really happy and, and fortunate to have him on this track. He, he, came back to us with added production, which was something I didn't ask for and, and really expect, really. Uh, he's like, yeah, I just added a few more things. I hope you like Phil Collins. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah obviously. <laughs> um, so honestly, up on first listen, and I remember like it was yesterday, I got goosebumps because I he just, he knew exactly what to play where. And on a fretless mm. bass, like I would have mm. never, th- I don't think Nick or mm. I or Andreas would have ever thought of that. And he's just such a great producer. And honestly, like those three minutes of listening to that song felt like three hours because I was like studying every single moment once I, uh, he had told me that he was putting all these added elements. And then the solo came along and I'm just like, holy, you know? Holy shit. And, um, holy fuck. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can finish the sentence for me. I think I swore before, so holy You fuck. can swear on the show. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. We're terrible um, boys. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah um, and um, honestly, it was uh, a big deal for us, I think. And um, when we had discussed uh, it being the first single, um, originally we were supposed to put out the record a lot earlier. So it was going to be that February kind of like, you know, uh, winter kind of song. Um, but then we had pushed the release. And um, you're not ready was supposed to be the first single, but I think, you know, it just made sense with the months to put out Runaway first, which is why we stuck with that plan. Um, and then we, yeah, and, you know, unfortunately got delayed a little bit, but that's why it was the first mm-hmm. single. Um, and uh, very, very proud of it. So, uh, Nick, do you want to add on to... Uh... I mean, Michael Oakley, man, you know, what's there to, <laughs> what's there to say? What a, what a dream. I, I friggin' fell over when Pat told me that that was a thing that was going to happen 
um, you know, like check that one off. I can probably quit the business now. You know? like, <laughs> um, Michael Oakley, I don't need to sing his praises to anyone listening to a podcast about any kind of retro music. Um, also, shout out to him for the album, his album that just came out, Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, props, Mr. Oakley. And um, thank you again for, for helping us with this track if he ends up hearing this. Um, I'll but, send yeah, it to him. Please, please do. We had um, we had the track up to a certain point, and I think that I had left a certain amount of space, somewhat intentionally, certainly for a solo moment, because very, very early on, Pat had said, leave room on one song for like a sax solo, one song for a guitar solo, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave all kinds of room here and there. You're going to tell me I can do less work. I'll do less work. <laughs> Touche. Don't got to tell me twice. Yeah, not entirely <laughs> true, but, but no, I, I did. I think by the time we were, uh, you know, by that time in the process of the album, I think I felt very comfortable sending something that didn't feel as finished as maybe the first handful of ideas that I had sent and especially thinking, Oh, we're going to leave room for X, Y, Z, whatever it is, solo this, whatever that kind of thing. And just wanted to, to this, this one more than any other track was like, let's leave room to play around, which obviously when it landed in, in Pat's lap, he had this thing come over him to hit up Mike Logley and here we are. But uh, yes, uh, we had, you know, all the sort of basic elements of the track, the, the chord progression, the keys, uh, drum stuff, just the, the, the sort of basic drum stuff. And then when uh, Michael Oakley sent it back, it was, uh, you know, he had added the sort of percussive elements that you hear in the choruses. Mm-hmm. It's sort of CR78, 808 stuff for all the nerds out there. Uh, the fretless bass thing, which again, like, yeah, all of our heads exploded at that one that just an absolutely intense solo that he does. And those big drum fills too, the do, 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 you know, all that stuff. So yeah, super like definitely Phil Collins driven, um, which is what prompted me to sort of adopt the tone for the previous track, Merry Go Round, that that one ended up having as a precursor to this track. Uh, those two were always gonna live together, uh, those two tracks. Um, so yeah, from a musical perspective, aside from everything I just mentioned, it's a ballad, you know, again, like, you know, we're, we're trying to have this big sort of day in the life of this teenager in, in 1988 or whatever it is on this boardwalk. And, you know, the sun has set and he's feeling the heartbreak and, you know, cue the the sort of blended side profile shot of him going like this <laughs> to the sky and just singing his heart out to the clouds. Like, uh, I had that image in my head big time uh, on this one, and Pat obviously did the same. So, yeah. lucky for us. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. Should, we should be called the Ballad Epic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of our songs are ballads. Um, I'll make sure to, to create a hashtag for that. The ballad. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's do it. All right. All right, guys. So let's listen to the next track. Uh, this, I love this next one. So this is Gateway 26.
This is Lucy in Disguise, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade. All right. Gateway 26. Purely instrumental. Watching... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, was just, I was watching you guys smile over there, and I was just like, holy shit, like, what a moment. So um, thanks for loving it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hot, it's a really hot track. It is. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, initially, um, the idea for this song was constructed back when we were working on West Coast Dreams. And so... Um, when we were at a point where we were discussing the track listing for the record, what was going to stay, what was going to go, a lot of it was going. <laughs> so it ended up <laughs> looking like an EP at some point, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not what I envisioned. Um, so we got to figure something out. And so I think Andreas and I, um, we were going back and forth. Like we were, we, we were grabbing songs, putting it in, taking them out, grabbing and um, <clears throat> we went through our old demos, and there was this one, Gateway 26, it wasn't titled as such, but um, I quickly named it that because um, on the Wildwood Boardwalk, there's a specific spot, like, I think when you go far out in the boardwalk, like about the third pier-ish, there's this place called Gateway 26, which is uh, an arcade casino, so... Um, it's 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 uh friendly to everybody you know like you, you got kids in there you got old, uh, adults playing games so um i thought that would be really cool to you know just pay tribute to it to that spot and it's always something like as a kid i always remember seeing the, the marquee gateway 26 right so it just stuck with me and at some point i was trying to influence myself to title the album gateway 26 arcade and casino instead of boardwalk arcadia but when i I, I was like, well, it kind of sounds like the Arctic Monkeys record, the new Arctic Monkeys record. So I'm, I quickly was like, no, never mind. We're, we're thinking <laughs> more longer here. Um, so I, what I wanted to kind of implement musically in this song, because um, uh, I really wanted, again, to create atmosphere. Um, how, how do I say that? How do I put this into words? <laughs> So I want to create more atmosphere in terms of like when you're listening to the record again, like I mentioned this earlier is that, you know, you want to have those instrumental pieces that complement the record as a whole. And this is a big one for me because it really goes into describe the arcade and casino sounds that you hear in, in the track is so important um, to the rest of the album, I think. Um, and uh, it welcomes you. It feels like you're, you're in this um, environment. And, and when the beat drops, and, and you hear that pulsating bass and um, it's really cut hard, sort of, uh, I think, very influenced by the Midnight's Nocturnal. So um, that, that section in particular... Oh Cue the lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so when, when you really, like, you get to that section of the song, um, it's as if, you know, you're, you're in your... Whatever game you're playing, whatever arcade game you're playing, you're, you're fully immersed. Like, you're just in the zone. And that's what I wanted to kind of musically represent musically, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. So, yeah. Uh, so, so in, on this track, Nick uh, wasn't really involved. No, nothing to do with it. No, nothing to do with it. It was uh, Andreas and I's decision. Um, but um, he did and sign I, it off, though. You have to sign yes. it off. I mean, it, you have to say it's, it's crap or. Be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, a part I, of the band. I, I can 
comment on uh, the one form of contribution um, to this, and all props to Pat and Andreas for everything they do with, with this track and what makes it amazing. Uh, but the sequencing again of the album and sort of its 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 place in the family of songs is uh, for those lucky enough to sneak in and purchase a, a copy of the, of the physical format of the record or our cassette if you're like me and you love cassettes. Uh, this is the first track of side B of of the record, and there is a I think a distinct shift in tone, um, which again. You know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, as far as like music theory and how it, it translates to everyone can perceive, you know, creative musical decisions, even if they don't know the language or, or what have you. And with this, it's like there's a side A and a side B, like for sure, on this record. And much like there's a setup for side A and a sort of a journey that happens on side A, the same as is true of side B. And at first, I don't think we had this as the lead in track to side B. No, but no. as I recall, and Pat, you can confirm this once we'd made that shuffle to make this the first track of side yeah. B, that was the moment that we like locked the track sequence into place because this right. is just such, it feels if I may be so bold as to say, like, so right. Right. We, to we, start side B yeah. with this, this yeah. track. We, we were testing it out, remember, when we were on the phone, like, Nick mm -hmm. was, was uh, um, he was putting together a track list along with me, and, and at one point he's like, hang on, now that uh, Runaway's over, let's take a moment and pretend that we're flipping the record around. What's the first song you want to hear? And I remember him, like, he was, he had a playlist on his uh, computer, and he had pressed play on Gateway, and that's when we knew we were like, that's mm -hmm. the song. Like, uh, that's mm -hmm. the song that needs to come next. Yeah. Quick shout out to uh, Tom Petty on which, which, <laughs> which one of his is it? It's not Wildflowers. It's the, the one with Full Moon Fever, I want to say, um, where if you are listening to either the CD or if you're streaming it, for example, uh, they included on that album uh, for people listening to it that way. And this doesn't exist, I gather, on the, on the, the vinyl or the cassette. There's a little uh, quick moment of just Tom Petty speaking. At, at the end of um, whichever song it is that, that ends side A, I want to say it's, um, yeah, it doesn't matter, I'm being a huge geek about it. Uh, he says the words, and I think I'm quoting exactly, um, dear CD listeners, out of respect for people listening on vinyl or cassette, we will now pause the album to basically, and, you know, and, and I'll end the, I'm not quoting exactly now, so, you know, but just the point of that was that he he was so conscious of that of the structuring of like a physical album you know which not to show my age but like we're, we're you know kids these days are <laughs> kids these days have, they're never gonna have to they're never gonna have to like to do that that's not true i mean vinyl is a thing and you know if you're if you find your way into a scene where where people want to buy a vinyl like in in this community god bless it uh that is a thing to think about you know and that that Tom Petty thing has always stuck with me so much mm -hmm. that he would take the time to say something to people not listening to a, a record that, hey, this is where other people are going to flip the, the, the vinyl over. So please know that. And now we're moving on to the next stretch of, of my narrative journey 
that have gifted you. If I were Tom Petty, that's what how I imagine he would. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's it's really uh, a great um, the the conscious decision to have side A, side B, have this song as the first shift in narrative to the next side. I I just it goes into the whole narrative and and the the love and care to the whole experience, right? Like it's not just yeah. Who's putting that much thought into it? No, is that a thing? Who it, is thinking of that? I think mostly it's by accident. Like oh shit, I have to edit my songs because I can't have seventy eight me seventy eight minutes of music on for a, a vinyl because it doesn't fit that much. So I've got to edit where it seems like there's a very conscious effort to be like it's meant to be consumed in the physical format it's mm-hmm. you know it, it's a whole experience and i think there's this tangible um tactile almost thing with it and this song is so great uh, nick it's uh, thank you for approving the song because <laughs> it, it's really important and again i think like the last record west coast streams new romantics does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that song so much. I'm I'm typically more of a non-vocal person, and Jenna, I think Kyle's probably the same way. So the fact that we're sitting here talking yeah, to a, a vocal, <laughs> you know, it it speaks a lot to the talents and to the uh, how, you know, what you guys do as a group that really speaks to us. Yeah, and I was gonna say something about that is like as a person who primarily listens to stuff that's just in- instrumental. When I was listening to this, and it's building. And then it's building. And I was like, oh, man, when are the lyrics going to kick in? What is going to happen? Like, what is this? And so I was very surprised my first listen through um, for two reasons. I mean, because of that, because there weren't any lyrics that were that were coming in. And one, it was just like, fuck, this track is amazing. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. So, no, you know, we want to like I want to pay tribute to the synthwave scene because I think primarily when it had first started if i'm not mistaken the majority of the music coming out was instrumental right yeah and, and so um when i, I you know and, and it only happened on album two because album one we were still kind of discovering ourselves but when we got to west coast dreams i was like we got to do more instrumental pieces because i really want to pay tribute to the synthwave community for welcoming us in and not only that but i also enjoy instrumental pieces i mean um yes. And I'm sure Nick feels the same and Andreas as well. Cause we, Definitely. you know, like when we, like when I watch those eighties films, like there, there are some great instrumental pieces sometimes that are just soundtrack pieces. John and, Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> so Obviously. You know, we, we, we want to implement that um, as a part of the experience for the motion epic and even live. I mean, it'll be great to give myself a little bit of a break when I'm doing a heavy song and um, like singing, I don't know, probably worlds apart would would yeah it would be nice to have a little break somewhere you know an instrumental piece come after or something and uh it'll be fun also because i could pick up an instrument and and compliment that way um so yeah i just i love i love these pieces like and i uh, hope our listeners do as well i think so it pays so perfect tribute because i think the strongest through line of of how you pay tribute to synthwave is the arpeggiated bass like that is the that is the thing that's the hook right there boom as soon as it kicks in you're like okay here it is this is the tie-in this is what it is um and you do it really well so that it, it works in a sense like you know it's not just like a, a lip service it's actually like let us let us do the thing and let us do it well 
as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else we want to talk about with this track? You, you, and Andreas were really more the uh, masterminds. I will say, let me just—I'll just to drive it home. I will echo that uh, to be perfectly clear about where I stand on vocal versus not vocal and all that. Like, um, it—it was definitely super, super important. I mean, Pat says like, "Oh, you know, I had to approve it and blah blah blah." And like, he's—he's being a little generous with that diet, but. But when they sent that to me and I, you know, at that stage, we were trying to figure out what is going to be on this album? What's the order the songs are going to be in? Like, it was very apparent that this was the perfect thing for all of the reasons that y'all discussed. I just want to to kind of double down and say that, like, there, you know, it's a motion epic album. There should be a song like this on the album. Like yeah. they really, they really need needs to be, and it became apparent when when we all like listened to it that oh yes, this this is right. Yeah, if this if this song didn't exist, I mean album album length is a big deal for me, and I think Eric we had discussed this on chat a little bit that uh, um, you know it, it, we we don't want to make the record too long, we don't wanna make it too short, but at the same time you you want to grab your listeners in and then enough to, to make it through the whole record. And I think 32 minutes is a fair uh, enough time. Cause nowadays, as you know, people are very fidgety and like super like next, next, next. And I hope that, you know, we, we, we also don't want to give away too much. Right. Right. That's another thing. Uh, so when calculating and listening back and, and really just trying to figure out saying like, is this the perfect length and uh, a song like gateway 26, if it didn't, exists in the record i think it would be an issue so it's it's a big deal um yeah. i i agree i think if there's if there's something that i hope that you carry through is these moments of reprieve in your records um because mm-hmm. i think it's such a good flex of what you can do as a, it's not just leaning heavily on your vocals pad it's here's here are we as musicians and and uh, song crafts people that um it's not we just don't lean in like you love everything else because the music is also strong and so this works really well in that little bit of reprieve that from that transition from side a to side b now i think it's it's a good if you choose that to be a hallmark of the motion epic like perfect great love it i would be really sad if you didn't continue that at least like do ultimately do what you want to do and don't do what you don't want to (laughs) do But I appreciate the fact that this is a, you know, like something that you've carried through from the second album. All right, so let's get to the next track. Uh, This is Worlds Apart. Hey, this is Anthony Scott Burns, a.k.a. Pilot Priest, and you're listening to Paradise Arcade. Wow. It's really the the first things I have to say about this track is, wow, vocally so powerful. Mm. You let it rip, Pat. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I uh, again another song that it, super important um, is is to get down deep and uh, get emotional and uh, try to sound like my voice is crying a little bit. Um, no, but um, on a serious note, <laughs> um, it, it's uh, definitely one of my favorite songs on the album. And uh, actually, the synth solo is done by our friend Nick here uh that was a demo uh demo solo and uh in studio 
when we were developing the track, I was like, uh, Andreas actually said, he's like, we don't have to redo this. We don't have to touch this. It's, it's amazing. So it wasn't a demonstration. It was a finalization. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was the first final thing of, of the part. Um, but lyrically, it's funny because I started writing this song before the pandemic happened. And I, I remember that uh, when I was with you guys, actually, we were discussing, we were just talking about the Motion Epic the last time we were together. And I had mentioned that there were a few songs that might have been influenced by the times. Um, this is definitely one of them. In a weird way, like I said, I started writing it before um, the chorus was written, before any, everything happened. But then once the pandemic happened, I was like, holy shit, this like this is like comes into context of what we're going through. Like, you know, there's some people that might be separated through borders or whatever that might not be able to see each other because of what's going on. Um, so it really is complementing are what we're going through right now, but with a more nostalgic, obviously, um, musical piece, right? Mm. Um, so I went with that and I, I, I took it home, but um, that that's basically how it came about. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, it's one of my favorite tracks. I don't, I, I, I love the ending, you know, um, especially when uh, there's those guitar, parts that come in with uh, and i sing in unison with them um i think it really drives the song home and um yeah i i i uh you can't you just want a, to tag along a little just a, just a, <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm stuck now <laughs> just a wall of a wall of emotion wow you know is is what we get as listeners pat from, yeah from you on on this it was so cool to see Eric and Kyle, see so you guys like vibing to that yeah, one. Yeah. It really uh, answers a, a long burning question for Pat and I about what what it was going to be like for people to to hear that one. Because um, Pat Pat's reaction was so immediate to that demo that um, I remember almost feeling a little bit torn at that point because that was so that would have been the third one, right, Pat? Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we had so so if you recall, uh, you're not ready was the second, mm -hmm. first one, kind of got, you know I won't say scrapped but set set yeah, aside. Set aside yeah. um, and between you're not ready and, and worlds apart, I mean, especially at the demo stage, if you were to try to imagine those two songs coexisting on an album together, you'd be like, this is too, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and so at that point I was probably panicking a little bit because i was like oh my god he's responded so strongly to both of these completely different like directives that uh i hope we can like figure out sort of the grand vision at, at the end of which i have hope hopefully venture to say i think we we did at the end of the day but um right. yeah it was almost a little surprising and as as time went on um pat just kept like loving this track so much that I started to wager that this track would probably be the favorite track for a lot of people on on this album, if for no other reason, because Pat lays so much of, of his shit down on the friggin' line <laughs> for us in, in this song, you know? It like breaks out the pipes, and yeah. uh, so it just, again, time will tell, but as I said, it was really... Um, it's really cool to, to get to hang with you guys in this way and, and, and see you guys react to it in real time. And you, know, you, you tell us, you know, it's a, like, yeah. it's a big factor having yeah. you guys uh, here. Like, yeah. honestly, it's nice to, to listen to the record with, it's, 
people. with other people that are not making it. I happen to yeah. like this track quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So I, yeah, I think it's one of those things that when I said at the beginning of the, of the program that there are songs that I think that it might be stronger on par with the singles. And I, I think there's just throughout this album, there's so many surprises and strong tracks that I think there's going to be a lot of memories and what in my brain, what I, what evokes to me and, and this might not be, I might be way off base, but I think of like liking Depeche mode as a teenager when I'm supposed to like metal, right? Like I'm in the metal scene and I'm really digging on Depeche mode because like, they're digging into like the emotion and digging into a lot of stuff um, that you're not necessarily supposed to feel or like, like, and like this song really brings home to me, like the first time I hear like violator or black celebration or some of those Depeche mode albums for me, like just the emotion of it, like it lands, but you know, like, technically you're a better singer than david gahan like you just are <laughs> and, and like listen we can we can, Sorry, y- you are i don't mean to be dave gahan has a, a baritone it's a very limited range in in people that don't like depeche mode make fun of that fact that he has a pretty limited range vocally and i think you land on a lot of things Where like martin gore what he does is he compliments dave's voice on the high end to to make the full emotional impact where you do the entire thing you do the the raspy distortion up into the higher range so the the complete package with one person right and so that it's kind of evokes those kinds of things to me like when i'm hearing some of those depeche mode ballads uh and when they're really digging deep but it's between two people you're doing it by yourself i mean thank you obviously yeah. no not by yourself the music is there nick right yeah, obviously right. Well, vocally yeah well that's the thing like you know um and this is what i i tried to how, how do i say this like you know when i when i was growing up and listening to 80s music like my my dad's one of my dad's favorite bands was simple minds and jim kerr is a very like his voice is very present in all simple minds tracks and i think that's something also that we've implemented with the motion epic is like when it doesn't need harmony or when it doesn't need doubles we just need that one big vocal like um and actually nick had sent me a, a video uh, a few days ago that we were watching about the uh, well you too and so i haven't found what, what i'm looking mm-hmm. for and they, he said um the person reviewing it i forget his name that was rick, 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 rick Beato. Rick, shout out to rick him Beato. awesome youtube channel yeah insane um and he picks out and he says you know bono's voice is is alone like the, it's just that and and i i I really and I appreciate that you brought that up about my vocals about like touching different ranges. Um, and as something I, I think of when I approach a song, it's, you know, is this a song that we're going to um, just have one vocal or are we going to have a harmony section? Like for instance, love somebody, the chorus mm-hmm. is, is literally, um, um, you know, all straight and, and monotone almost like, um, you know, underneath the covers on a Friday night, mm-hmm. up, you know, mm-hmm. so that has to be layered. It can't stay alone because it won't sound good. <laughs> um, and um, so oh, I'm Pat. very conscious. You uh, always sound good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave now. Um, no, I'm very conscious of, uh, of making those decisions vocally. So I appreciate that you, you picked that out um, guys. So, yeah. Which Pat, I think you just touched on something again, just going back to, and I said this early on, but there was no way that I was going to get through talking about, you know, any song on this album without talking about the album, you mm-hmm. know, and the crafting of, of an album. Um, 
And as you just pointed out again, like tying right back in, you've got something like love somebody, uh, which is, you know, er earlier on in the sort of journey here that you're, you're counterbalancing these things, right? Like you've, you've entered a different place in every sense with side B. We talked about the setup with gateway 26 and now worlds apart. And this just screaming, emotive, darker ballad kind of thing uh, with this, you know you're you're alone in this yeah. song and it's it's not to get geeky but that's served production from a production standpoint by a, a singular lone vocal part mm -hmm. that's happening uh, as opposed to this the gang vocal thing on something like love somebody or or you're not ready same thing right yeah you know where you've got th that those are the things that add to these feelings you know mm -hmm. stacking vocals harmonies making it feel like a group of people that's that's more fun you know yeah. rather than this lone pining thing which again run away you kind of you get you get the same sort of thing there and again like you know i'll, I'll stop there and not get too geeky about like production decisions but but those are the things for anyone who's who's maybe interested in that kind of thing like those are the decisions that that i think you know i won't say that we were all super super conscious and mathematically figuring out those kinds of decisions when making this album, but obviously like something led us to, to do those things. Yeah. And I think that when you start examining and breaking down what's going on, like you, you, you notice those things and, and it, it's, I think it's really cool how it works out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the album as a whole. So. Awesome. Anything else that we want to talk about with this truck? Kyle, what do you, you almost, it's, yeah. it's just like, for me, this is like chasing the dragon. <laughs> like, what is it like to feel or have emotions again? <laughs> Riding the razor's edge with this. Oh, shit. It's sure. Like, oh, this, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right. You could, it's almost like you could have an emotion, but through somebody else right. and then put it away when you're done. Yeah, exactly. Glad we could wow. do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kyle doesn't have feelings, so this is a way he can vicariously <laughs> yeah, have them. This is, this is a real, like... I'm, I, I envy I'm, your, your existence. <laughs> right on the edge, bro. We, sh we should all be so lucky. Indeed. You know, so you know what I, lo you know what I love ahead. about the, the Synthwave community is that like we're just so alike, it's it's scary. Like When I, I um, had gone to one of the festivals and um, you know, I was like, you know, just chatting up with everybody, it, it was like we known each other for years it was it's crazy it's insane like you guys like i feel like you've been my friends the whole life for like the second time we've spoken yeah um, it's insane like, it's a I pretty mean, consistent I'm... it's a consistent thing it's when you have the same i think um anchor points in your development as an adolescent as a person you're developing who you are you're discovering where the world is and you have the same you know cultural landmarks that anchor you emotionally and developmentally, it's easy to tune into that other person because you know, oh well, I know exactly what Marty McFly, uh, that movie is, and I know what the what the journey is of that, or Huey Lewis, or whatever. I know all of those things, and and that's the thing I really love about the scene. And no matter who we talk to, across the world, yeah, we've talked to people across the world, literally, and it's always the same thing and it's amazing what ties us together as, as people. And we couldn't, you know, it's easy to, to pick apart the differences, but what brings us together are these things. And, and there's so many of them. And it's, so it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Right. It is a beautiful thing. And that's, you know, 
Synthwave, you gotta love it. You gotta love it for that reason. I, I have to. I need to. You need to. <laughs> so on that, let's get to the next track. Um, it's a Teenage Fear. This is System 96, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. Wow. I mean, it just, it continues to be a strong effort. You know, like, typically albums, maybe modern albums, as you progress through the 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 track listing, they're not as maybe as strong, or they might throw, like, one single in just to keep you interested. But consistently delivering on on the experience and also matching and heightening the, the, the story of the album. Yeah. The story, the bleacher thing really hits hard. Yeah. Cause I feel like everyone of at least our age, there is a bleacher <laughs> experience. There's lots of experiences in the bleachers for me yeah. behind them. Mostly. <laughs> Not the ones that close in and you get stuck behind. Those are dangerous, no. but, um, <laughs> um yeah i mean i this song was not like a total it was a totally different song yeah it's wild it, it's a i I don't, I don't even know where to begin with that but uh musically speaking i think um when we had gotten the original track which was titled robbie Hart, and i hope that we release that song one day um andres is like you know there, there's this different there's this kind of like um it's it's sort of like a swingy track and it's we don't know if it's going to complement the rest of the record. Like, can you, can we try to do something and mash, you know, his idea with maybe one of my ideas? And I'm like, well, go for it. We'll see what happens. And um, lo and behold, we had a new song and I had no lyrics for it. So I had to get to work. <laughs> and um, again, placement wasn't a thing yet. So track listing wasn't involved. And I was just like, what, where, what do I do with this song? And um I just, uh, you know, I said, wait, what's missing lyrically on this record? That song where you, you're dri- you're like on the highway driving and either you're going to the, the boardwalk or you're leaving it. And um, it's either uh, sunrise or sunset. So I'll leave that to the listener. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of tell a story about, again, this character that's walking the boardwalk and what he's really heartbroken about. And, you know, we all have our muse. We all have that maybe that one person. I don't know. Um what we've experienced where just like that no matter how many times they just know how to continuously break your heart it's like you know you'll you'll try to be with them but they, they're not interested and it's like you know always this like topsy-turvy event where you're like uh, are we interested in each other are we not and and that's like the message in the song um uh so no matter what you know it's always like you still know how to break my heart no matter you always end up on that on that phrase on that phrasing um but what I like about the song is that this character finally developed confidence. Whereas when you first hear you're not ready, he's not sure. He's hesitant. He's like, do I approach the girl? Do I talk to her? Or am I still like this? It's not ready. He's not ready. But by, by the time he reaches teenage fever, he's definitely ready. And he's, uh, he's that confident dude, uh, you know, offing her name on in permanent red from like, you know, uh, no more mixtape for you, ma'am. Um, <laughs> I'm on my own now. Um, he's and a very I'm polite guy. I'm driving that that Thunderbird. It's Canadian, you know, clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's a thing. Uh, so um, yeah, so you know, it's just that I think it's really well placed again. I'm, I'm happy that we put it as track eight um, because it kind of is a send off, and it's many ways. I know Peers and Souvenirs follows, but um, 
this is kind of like the last big song you get. And uh, we have Sparky on guitars mm. here, and he's such an important aspect of this song um, because I think without his guitar riff, the song is really lame. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he did a good job on the no, he really complimented um, you know, the track as a whole musically, and he actually even wrote a bass part to this. So essentially, I credited him on the album as a part of writing the music. But then we, a last minute decision, I think we removed his bass section because we felt it was uh, taking up some space. But his guitar parts are, are just so important. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited because he wants to remix this track and You're Not Ready um, in his own style. And I, I, I'm so excited for mm -hmm. him to do that. Um, and, and such an important part of the record on, on these two tracks, like Love Somebody, he's like Nick was mentioning earlier, he, he played such a huge role on that song in particular as well. And then we have Max Cruz obviously finishing us off with a massive uh, sax solo again. And um, again, like it's polar opposites. You have You're Not Ready with the first sax solo and then you have Ben Return at the end of the record. And uh, I'm just happy that we placed it that way. I think they needed to be far apart, those two songs. Um, you could yeah. say they needed to be worlds apart. They need to be worlds <laughs> apart. That's a good one. Thank you, Nick. Um, so, um, yeah, I did like, I'm, yeah, I, an interesting track. Like this was the, a mashup of Nick's ideas and Dreyas's musically. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you want to add to it, Nick, but if, if anything, I think that this would have to be the one song that is the truest, almost equal representation of all the five, uh, you know, and there were other contributors over the course of the album, but all the five yeah. really, really, really heavily involved people being you know me having come up with this initial musical idea uh the no pun intended epic transformation that occurred from from that idea to you know getting into andreas's hands and, and him you know the fact that he had a, a response to you know someday people will hear robbie hart you know pat and i i think are pretty confident about that yeah, yeah. uh they're they're like different songs it's <laughs> it's insane that you know, that idea got into Andreas's hands and he, the fact that he was so immediately, again, like Pat's immediate reaction to Worlds Apart and You're Not Ready and most of the tracks, Andreas's immediate reaction to the Robbie Hart demo to just go this other way with it. And not, not this other way, because it's, you know, the, the core is, is still there. But um, this whole other idea, you know, sort of vision and treatment, but that it came to him as I understand it, so sort of, sort of naturally, uh, you have to uh, get out of the way of those things. You know, you have to like embrace that even, and you know, let I would say, I was going to say acknowledge, but we're really in embrace. And we did that. We all allowed that to happen. And then, you know, Pat, you did your thing wonderfully as always. But then you have Sparky throughout the track on this you know doing what he does and, and it would be so hard for people to you know we we hope to I don't, I don't think i can say this but pat and i hope to and maybe some other guys from the band hope to kind of get on maybe like twitch or something and do some really detailed kind of production breakdowns um and you know only when you do that can you understand like when we talk about like sparky and his contributions to you know the tracks that that he helps with you have to take it away to, to, to notice what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. he, he, he fills out so much of these sort of 
peripheral aesthetic space of the songs and adds so much vibe and movement and air uh, that hope, you know, I hope we, we get around to doing that and people can, can really hear, you know, when you take it away, what, what that does. And then of course, Ben or Max Cruz as it were, whatever we're calling him today. Um, yes. Just, and his, his, his amazing as always thing. And, and in fact, Pat and Andreas, much to my dismay, uh, really toned down uh, what Ben's uh, original solo what, what was. he was doing, and I was yeah. I was very I would not complain. I I've, I actually was going to ask Pat, is there maybe still time for us to get the the original solo back on the? Uh, <laughs> I'll send it to you guys. On, on, I'll, I'll on send it to you guys. I still have it. Please somewhere. do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben Ben just unleashed the dragon. Oh my god! On his wow. original solo, he had like the most absurd wonderful over the top sax like runs you know um because that dude he's, he's a wizard yeah but we can release like an alternate version of teenage fever on the deluxe and have that's true that version because I, yeah. I think i think people need to hear it because it was it was the initial yeah. approach you know what i mean and uh i remember i think upon first listen we uh, even <laughs> we la- we laughed out of excitement like it was <laughs> insane um but then yeah uh, i think like Andreas had brought it up. He's like, "Look, it's really amazing. It's just maybe we need to just tone it down a little bit because, in in comparison to the other tracks, we we can't go there." And I'm like, "Okay, you're yeah. right. You know, and especially, and I'm happy in a way because of where we place the song, mm-hmm. uh, and it's to send off in, into Piers. Yes, into and, Piers, so. and Andreas. Let me be clear. Andreas was was correct. You know, as <laughs> as is some as is sometimes the case. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> I, I, I jest, I jest. It, the, the, all of the no, all know. the right decisions were made, um, and it's amazing. Still, it's an amazing track at the end of the day. But um, yeah, the real thing about this track is just the journey that it took from its original form is just more than any other track by by miles and miles. It's it's a completely different animal, and mm-hmm. when people get to finally hear, when we figure out a way to present the original version to people, and they and they can put those two things together. I it's gonna be fun. Oh I yeah, think. yeah. And Andreas ha, has a, a good sense of direction for production too. And like I, I we understood that like okay maybe Robbie Hart can fit on another piece. Um and um yeah you know like it's it's really interesting how it all came together at the end you know uh, how we started and Nick and and I started writing and and then bringing this stuff to Andreas and having his his input and his talent be involved um was really a lot of fun. At first it was it was like a lot there was a lot of confusion it was like okay like are we really going through all the songs and nitpicking everything and we yeah we got there and uh we ended up with with this final piece so it's awesome any other thoughts before we head into the send-off i don't think so i hope people i hope people love it Piers and souvenirs Piers and souvenirs here's the outro track you are now listening to Paradise Arcade. So, what a a fantastic send off to the album. Much in the way that the intro track sets you up for what the mood is, this also leaves you with an emotion and a mood. Um, and what a perfect way to to kind of wrap everything together as far as an album goes and it's it's concepts and it's themes and it's emotions uh talk talk about why you chose 
to express what you did and how that came together? Thanks. Um, I think, you know, um, when we get towards the end of the record, you know, the, the person, the character, you know, we're, we're showcasing off to our listeners has gone through a journey. You know, it's like a, the, the start and the end of the boardwalk. It's like he's walking th- th- while you're listening to the record. We want our listeners to feel like he's going through that thing and he's feeling different emotions. And as you know, for instance, he walks by the merry-go-round. That's a big deal for him. And like, you know, so on and so forth. And then we reach Piers and Souvenirs, which is, a, I think it's an important um, story to tell uh, because even if, if not lyrically, when, when you go on a boardwalk, I mean, it just compliment, like those two words are something that complements a boardwalk, you know, like you, you leave with something like either a t-shirt or you buy something for your friends or family back home, right? Um, and uh, so that's a souvenir shop. And obviously the piers, when you walk in by and you see, um, you know, the rides and stuff like that. So I think like I really had to implement those words again in the, in the track listing and somehow in, into the record. Um, and yeah, so when we, you know, we were discussing, tra- you know, the tracks and how we were going to send people off, I think we really needed to uh, give that feeling of, of accomplishment musically. And I don't know, I Nick just did it so well, you know, it's like, it, this person graduated from being this non-confident dude that just like, you know, he's kind of the, like not in his right headspace and then when he gets to the end of the boardwalk he's just a different person so it's it's sort of this contemplative song in its own respect and and um and i think i don't know if you guys feel that way musically but i i feel that way when i listen to it and i'm happy that we we really got that um that um sort of um those feelings into the music without having to say it vocally and uh, it was funny because when i sent the album off to one of my friends uh, his name is cam he's uh, he's out in nashville and he responded, it's funny, he picked out this one song and he said, um, well, he said, the album took me somewhere with the F word. Uh, <laughs> fuck that album took me somewhere. And he was like, I was so mad that Piers and Souvenirs wasn't going to have any vocals, but then Hello Vocoder. So that made me laugh real hard because that, that vocoder section, again, wasn't supposed to exist. And then there was a, a moment where like, you know, picking up Andreas and be like, you know, on our way to the studio. And I'm like. Yeah, I, I just want to add a vocal part to like the end of. The <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What now? What do you want to say now?" No, you know, I'm just kidding. He he was totally down when I presented the idea of having the vocoder effect really prominent this time because I feel like Piers and Souvenirs and Merry Go Round are in the same universe, and and again, where they're placed is important. So, um, you know, like you, you also got like the 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 tempo speed up on both tracks. Um, so, but, um, yeah, so I really wanted to, you know, pay tribute to the original title of the album, which was called Boardwalk Arcade. So that's why I say, you know, uh, um, true love ain't love when you're just 16, small games and big dreams at the Boardwalk Arcade, right? So it was just like, um, I had to send off in respect to the original idea that I had when I, when I came up with this record, I, you know, I, when I was sitting down, I remember it was, uh while a while ago so 2019 it had to have been in the summer and i was sitting outside on on um, my my balcony and i was just like yeah uh we're gonna do this boardwalk record and you know so it's it's just like it it, it just takes me to that that moment where i first came up with the idea for the entire record so um yeah that's pretty much uh, my take on this and uh wow yeah. 
Jeez. What else is there to say? <laughs> Nick, like, what do you, what do you got to say, buddy? Uh, well, again, this is this would be another one where Pat and Andreas were uh, really, you know, solely re- responsible um, for the magic that you hear. But um, you know, again, from a you know, I mean, I've I, I've had some input. Uh, you know, nothing too major. Uh, from a track sequencing perspective, again, I think is the is the real way to examine this song. You know, which Pat talked at length about already. But you know, just to hopefully not to be redundant, but to echo his his sentiments, um, it is very much like a Pat. I don't know if you. I don't remember if you used this word, but for me, it feels like an epilogue. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. There you yeah. go. Teenage right. Fever really is, you know, because it's a, a if I may, a, like a pop song, you know, yeah, um, yeah. is the meat and potatoes of like the, you know, I won't necessarily say the climax of like whatever narrative journey you're on, but like it is the last real like yeah. strong definitive sort of conveyance of, of whatever this character is, is feeling. Whereas as you said, in relation to merry-go-round with peers and souvenirs, it, it's very much like a feeling kind of thing. It's it's feeling based. There's very little lyrically to try to necessarily like explicitly draw from, um, and it really really echoes both the intro track and merry-go-rounds in in that way. And for me, not to give too much away, but it feels very much the more that I listen to this album, and I've listened to it two point couple times billion times. Um, the more I listen to the album, the more it feels to me like a bridge to the maybe the next album, you know, yeah. not to get too into things, but uh, it feels that way from a creative standpoint. And time will tell. It's interesting. Um, the thing I get with this last track and kind of what it's building to me personally is, you know, when you've had a really long, like, epic day emotionally or whatever it is and you're on the car ride home and finally the excitement the stimulation starts to to settle down you're not talking to anyone you have that moment of silence and kind of the first wave of what just happened kind of washes over you and this the the epilogue as you so eloquently put is it's really kind of that's exactly points to what it is it's the you just went through this experience now let's sit in it for a moment have a have a moment before we send you off into the rest of your life whatever you're doing right here is the send-off from this album and you could choose to get on the ride again you could choose to start the album over again and and get back on the ride or you can go off to the rest of your life and do whatever the hell you're doing but it's a perfect send-off to just give to capture your attention for that very short brief period of time to let you contemplate and ruminate on everything else that happened you know going off of that what i get in my head is the end of you know here's the coming of age movie and you've had your huge day of adventure with all kinds of wacky things happening and you see the main character then finally get home, get in bed, and then they just get back and they've got their hands behind their head and they're looking at the <laughs> ceiling. And it's yeah. like, here's the end of it. It's, it's Mitch at the end of Dazed and Confused. 
yes it's, it's, there you go calls. but you guys you guys painted a, a perfect picture of what i was describing uh, earlier so yeah. that makes me feel better because I, I i didn't know how to um when i directed this piece because i you know obviously um you know we put together well now that i nick you had reminded me the other day too is that um I might as well mention this is that originally we were supposed to um, put a cover of girls just want to have fun. And I, I think I posted on Instagram instead, which is, yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be on this album, but then it got and another one that got cut. But uh, that, that um, piece that I put together is what directly inspired peers and souvenirs uh, because, because it didn't make the record. I, Andreas, you know, um, said like, why don't we do something along these lines? Because it does have a good send off feeling. So why don't we, you know, um, have that, you know, approach where, you know, it, it kind of compliments merry-go-round and, and the intro song and whatever. And, um, I think just to clarify for anyone trying to imagine the song girls just want to have fun at the end of this as like a send off feeling and being confused by that, uh, the cover that would have happened of girls just want to have fun would have a similar feeling to what right. Souvenirs has yeah. where it's, it's fairly uh, stripped back, I guess you could say a yeah, much right. more chill dynamic rather than the, the much more upbeat original and wonderful is, version. Is this recorded? Is this a thing that exists? The, the girls. The just yeah. Fun? Yeah. I have it. Yeah. I have it. It's actually, um, I posted on Instagram. So if you go, I'll just send it to you guys. It'll be easy. Please. Thank you. Cause that was, <laughs> I was just actually watching uh, Vibes a couple of weeks ago with Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper. Oh and so I just, oh, I love Cindy. How could you not? <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She's great. Uh, yeah. What else do we, what else do we want to say about this? I mean, it's a send off. It's a, whatever thoughts, things that we want to discuss about the album. I think just that it's an important moment. I mean, geez, Eric, honestly, the way that you kind of put everything uh, a couple minutes ago i think pat would agree it was like i better than that we, we should hire you to do some writing for us or something <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you, you hit the the nail on the head with your description that's everything that i would want to suggest to people you know uh going into to listening to the album uh if if there were some kind of guide to to give to people like uh hey here's maybe here's where we're coming from and the journey that we're trying to go on and just maybe know that as you listen through the album and when you reach this moment that it is you know in my words epilogue and then more specifically everything that you described um that that perfect perfect metaphor of like oh it's over it's happened you know i've I'm, i've felt all these things and i i went all these places and you're finally it's it's dustin hoffman at the end of um uh, graduate thank you my wife is over there saving my ass um, <laughs> uh, you know that moment where they where they they run out of the church and they they get on the bus and and they go to the back and it's the end of the movie now and they show you this lingering shot of as as the bus is driving away realization comes over their faces and the smiles start to fade a little bit and not necessarily if anything maybe the opposite you know, maybe mm -hmm. the smile starts to come over your face in, in this moment because I feel like the character that Pat devised uh, in his way throughout this album is able to 
free himself of what he was going through, you know, essentially romantically. I mean, let's be honest here. At the end yeah. of the day, this album is kind of a romantic journey. Uh, Italians, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> and and I think that, yeah, like he gets to kind of feel a little free, feel a little liberated, you know, take that drive away from, from the boardwalk. And, and he's, he's gone through this emotional journey and, and gotten himself into some place where he can reflect and accept, you know, and, and all of that stuff that, you know, I'm talking about is, you know, simplified down into maybe just a bit of a feeling that, because it's different for everybody as they're listening yeah. to, to any piece of music, you know, but whatever version it is for whoever's listening to the album of that, I think that that is what I what I would hope that we might have achieved with with the this track and and the and where it sits on the album. Um, and again, you know, maybe a little bridge to what's to come, but we'll, we'll you'll you'll see. You, you that, touched upon. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was to say that's that is exactly, I think the perfect way to to end a record. What could be next? You don't know. You just know that there's an end of a journey. There's the end of a, this part that you're changed. Now, what does that change lead to? We don't know. And that's exciting. To be continued. Mm-hmm. To be continued. <laughs> what is this character progression, or what is this? What is the next thing? It could be so many things. It could be jaded or excited or any any mixture of of emotions, and it will be obvious because it's the motion epic. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, a variation there. Um, but it just it so succinctly ends the record um, to where you feel like, oh, I just went on a thing and I feel good. I feel I have a feeling about it, but I know that it's the end, and it's weird because it's a little bit sad. It's a little bit happy. You're kind of in this weird like almost numb kind of phase a little bit, you know, the yeah. end of a long day like that. Cause I remember that like anytime I went on a new adventure that like I had never done it before, like be like, go to this place and go to the vacation or go to a, a camp or whatever it is at the end of that journey. Like you just like, it's just that realization that it's, it's done. You're kind of sitting with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to go back to reality. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Back to reality. And what's that new transition? I feel like this track is the transition from all the journey back into reality, like back at like, oh shit, I've got to go face my regular life dilemma now living. Oh man. I love the way you put that. Honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to save that like as a, Wow. Quote me. My, Listen, this is recorded. You can quote me. Yeah. Please do. Yeah, I will quote you because that opened my mind to so many other, um, Pat's just written the uh, the next four albums. <laughs> yeah, and I think if, if, if I think for me, if I were to look back and look at each record and what you're building to is like it is a different kind of emotional uh, journey from different, it, not even necessarily specifically like an age. Some of it's youthful because passion and love are typically your youthful. Um, but any kind of moment of of transition where you've changed in a in a profound and deep way, like those records, your records so far have have done that in their own little distinct way, a different version of a of growing as a person, right? Like you you perceive the world as a fifteen year old, and that's that has that specific thing, and then when you're seventeen, that's another specific viewpoint, and those 
things associated with it. And you're in 20 and 25 and 30 and so right. on. And, and I see these little different as you grow as an artist and the people that you bring in, you find those different hallmark moments uh, developing as, as, as a person, as a human being and capture them so well. Thank you. I, I really appreciate the observation. Honestly, like, you know, when we had first started the Motion Epic, like, as I mentioned many times, we just didn't know what we were doing. Um, and uh, I could really see how we have evolved uh, as a band and as um, a group of guys, too. And Boardwalk Arcadia brings in so many flavors. And uh, I, I really hope that we can continue to, to take this, like, this band that we've created now, even though half of us are halfway around the world, like, we're just all over the place. I mean, three of us are here in, in Montreal, and then we have Nick in Texas. We have um, uh, Sparky in Halifax, and then we have uh, uh, Max Cruz in Australia, um, which, uh, I mean, I really hope we can all group together and, and do the actual band live. I mean, that would be the dream, you know. Um, but um, until then, you know, um, I'm just really proud of what we've we've done so far, and I think now that we have all these pieces of puzzle put together for Boardwalk Arcadia, I think it's going to translate over to the next record really smoothly. Um, and you know, I'm so excited to see what how we evolve next because I don't even know. I mean, um, you know, to a certain extent, I have an idea because Nick has already produced uh, a few songs for it, but. Um, I, I don't like I really don't know you know and I think that's the fun of it too um, is not knowing a little bit you know um, we sat we sat on Boardwalk Arcadia for so freaking long that like I, I don't know I don't know how it feels new to everybody else so seeing yeah. you guys like vibe to the songs today just made me feel like shit yeah. like <laughs> yes uh, because we, we've been listening so so like at length and, and actually getting obsessed with it because it wasn't even the right time to put it out. It was always that. It was that was the the the, the discussion was either we wanted to have a pre order campaign ready with the with you know the physical merchandise, um, or it was a discussion like oh, why would we put this album out in December? It's 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 not a a winter mm -hmm. record, um, so that's why it, it took so long to make decisions for this. But in a way, I think um, as um, as you do wine you, you, when it's 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 fermenting you know so i'm happy that people are loving the music because you know we could have sat on this and it could have went the other way right so um i'm really happy that and there's uh, still there's still time for it to go the other way <laughs> <laughs> nick yeah. ever the uh, the realist or pessimist yeah, yeah. Just, still, yeah, yeah. that's uh, just just because our friends here seem to uh seem to enjoy it doesn't mean that uh, <laughs> you know. I, I, things are selling yeah things are selling. and i think so, you know yeah. really as i said in the beginning i'm really excited for people to hear the record as a whole because it's it's solid and again the 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 length overall the theme of it it's just it's it's just right there it's the whole package as far as what you're going for i think it's gonna it's gonna bring you to another level and i'm excited for that i'm excited you know, selfishly to be a part, just a little bit about a part of that and, uh, and, and be there to say, Hey, I told you so this is, this is a, a band that you should be paying attention to because they're hitting on something that is, that's some hipster shit. Yeah, it really is. It's some his, hipster bullshit. It's, it's a big deal to me though. I told you I, so. I appreciate it guys. Really big deal. Um, 
if you embrace your hipsterism, is it still hipster? You know. Oh, this, oh <laughs> question for the ages, right there. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say? Thank you to you guys. Yeah. Oh well. No, thank you. Thank you for for letting us do this. And um, I, I don't have anything else. Kyle, are That's, you good? That, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. No, thank you guys as well. I mean, this is such a, a an amazing opportunity to go track by track. You know, when I had presented the the idea um, to Nick, because I remember our last discussion, we had we had brought it up. We're going to yeah. do this this track by track, and so we had been excited for this. I don't know how long. Yeah. You know, since our last. Because we we were so excited to launch this record, and we're like, we can finally talk about it to mm-hmm. to to somebody, and and well, you guys, um, and uh, I just feel really fortunate and relieved in a way that um, we got to do this because um, I think it's essential for the record, you know, to to be talked about in this way. Uh, I also I had filmed uh, some behind the scenes, behind the song stuff, but it. It, it doesn't equate to this. Like this discussion is so much better than what I did and what I butchered and what I have to edit. <laughs> you know, like this is uh, ten times better. So I appreciate you having us, guys. Like really, okay. mean a lot to our community. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I second that. Yeah, we we definitely were looking forward to this conversation for a while a long time. And I yeah. had listened to the previous episode that you all had done together, because uh, Pat uh, told me about having done it and said, I think we're going to do this with these guys when, when the album's about to come out, do this track by track thing. And I listened to it and I was like, those are definitely the guys to talk to. Wow. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, Holy shit. That's Some a of the stuff that you guys said in that, uh, in that episode, I was like, those, those guys are, are very serious and their, their love of music is obviously very, yeah. very sincere and very deep. And, uh, I have, I've, my suspicions were confirmed. It was, it, I mean, this, I'm, honestly, the, 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 the insight, some of the stuff that you guys have said in this conversation, you know, I wish that Pat and I had written down before coming into this thing, <laughs> you know, to be able to be able to say. So it means the world to me. And I know Pat more or less already said this, but it's, yeah. bit, you know, it's just so great to get to talk to really cool people who really dig the stuff about uh, our, uh, life's greatest achievement up to this point <laughs> it's funny because i always describe the show as inside the actor's studio hosted by beavis and butthead so <laughs> i <laughs> that's, that's exactly right <laughs> oh my god that's so funny you guys are, are killers so right? yeah thanks that's what i'm yeah. gonna describe i'm gonna describe this to people. hey what'd you do yesterday uh well we did this thing for the motion epics interview you know like inside the actor's studio oh well, yeah yeah but like with beavis and butthead <laughs> Thank you. That's that's exactly how I like to describe it. <laughs> yes, please, please. Please, please do that. That's our tag. Oh All right, guys. Well, until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. All right. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, this was so insightful and so, I mean, just wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.